This is episode three of the Rough and Tumble podcast. If you enjoy our content, please consider supporting us on Patreon. You can also follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and Spotify. This episode, we actually have a topic to discuss. We're going to be talking about rough and tumble fighting or gouging, uh, the history and some of the things that went on uh, with that style of fighting. We're also going to be doing an album review later in the episode, as well as our typical bullshit. So let's go ahead and get into the episode. To the rough and tumble podcast. Five, four, three, two, one. Oh, here we go again with Mitch's phone. You're the one that got the phone call at 10 o'clock in the morning on the first episode. Yeah, that's true. On your iPad. That's because it was my my business. Oh, was it? Yeah. I'll probably my business phone is the same as my personal phone. That's what I would do too. Um, it's horrible. It's the worst idea, dude. It's well, so bad. Why would it, do you just look like a douchebag if you're carrying around two phones? Yeah, I would, but I feel like a douchebag whenever I can't answer everybody's phone call. Like ninety percent of the time, honestly, because I'm either on the mats or my phone. That's when I answer the phone the most. Is if I'm on, on the mats because it gives um, you an excuse not to train anymore. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, I'd love to whoop your ass up and down this map, but I got to answer yeah. my phone right now. <laughs> Is that my mom calling? <laughs> um, Just kidding. My mom's dead. <laughs> the, uh, now we're on to mom, dead mom jokes. My mom's still alive and I love her very much. <laughs> Mine has been commenting on my Instagram and on my she's, Facebook. She's touching you. Recently. I'm concerned she's about to comment on the podcast. <laughs> she commented on my, on the gym Instagram and was like, Telling, uh, telling me how much she missed me and so on and so forth. But she did it on a picture of one of my students that's a teaching about to start teaching a new class. And so I had to delete it immediately before people thought like your so my mom was like in your mom's there, like, been dating this guy for a yeah, while, <laughs> dating one of my purple belts, trying to get it on. I was like, dude, if you don't know how to use the social media platform, don't start going crazy on it and comment everywhere. I have an aunt that would always leave really weird comments about different pictures of me. Mm-hmm. And uh, at first I was like, oh, it's just being sweet. Um, but then over time it, I got, it kind of got weird because uh, I'd post like a picture of me at the lake and, <laughs> and she'd be like with no shirt on and stuff. And she'd be like, you really should look into being a model, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, oh, you're, you're the best over and over again. Like anytime it was like for years, I would post random pictures like that. And, and she'd say, I don't, I don't know why you just don't take my advice. I mean, you've got all the right looks. And I'm just like, are you trying to fuck me? Mitch's thirsty girl posts. It's just my aunt. aunt. <laughs> what was it like before apparel? Be first apparel? Be first apparel. Oh, <laughs> fuck that brand, dude. It's in every single post. <clears throat> Come check out. You will like my company. I think you will fit well. Ugh, fuck the, fuck the Instagram spam. I get a lot of... uh the messages from girls where like you get like a message request and then you open it up and it's like click here to see my nudes or whatever yeah, and i always click on them <laughs> and i always have to get new phones <laughs> sometimes <laughs> sometimes it'll get me i'm like hmm, i I'm wonder like, well i wonder who this is oh never mind <laughs> i like how i just assume that like that's how life works. Like right. girls just go, you know what? I got these titties and, and <laughs> somebody's got to look at them. That's the, that's the dude. That's the dude in you. <laughs> it is. Like I think that's all men. I think automatically I just, assume that it just takes 
uh, discipline. <laughs> I, I speak is. about like we've got some struggle that we have to conquer. It takes discipline, hard work, and dedication to overcome those urges. And you those... know how hard it is not to send dick pics to people <laughs> just <laughs> randomly. I've got them in my phone, They're just right waiting here. Somebody's got to see this dick. Yeah, I saw this pie chart. It uh, it was it was a pie chart. It was all blue, mm. and then it had the legend next to it where it could tell you what the pie chart was supposed to be broken down into. And at the top in blue, it said number of dick pics and then in red it said number of dick pics that have been requested by girls yeah and so the whole the, <laughs> the whole thing the whole thing blue, was just whatever. blue yeah guys sending out dick pics because I, whenever i was single like i always had a couple of good shadow versions you know like where you like get the lighting just mm-hmm. right and you fluffed it up and stuff and it and then like i would use like a um I would take the arm off of one of my daughter's baby dolls and then <laughs> hold it. So, <laughs> so then it looked huge, but it was really just a baby doll arm, you know, but they never noticed. And then they were just like, oh my God, you have tiny hands. And I was like, no, no, I don't. <laughs> no, that's my dick pic. <laughs> that's my dick pic. And like, like it would get get to the point where like you were just sending dick pics out so fast and so often because that's what you thought girls wanted and then like every now and then like my grandmother would be like don't forget about the dinner this weekend and i just send in a dick pic to her (laughs) (laughs) and then she's just responding back with that's my grandbaby that's (laughs) your family's weird dude well it's mostly because i keep sending them all them dick pics (laughs) (laughs) your aunt says you should model (laughs) <laughs> you have all the right looks yeah. all the right angles yeah <laughs> i had one time <laughs> i had to back in the sidekick days whenever i never did you talking about the chirp thingies uh the, yeah like it was like a sideways phone and then oh, you yeah. clicked it and it flipped out yeah um i had a sidekick lt it was like it was so sick dude and i would just like flip it out and I had a full keyboard keyboard on it um so i had i needed to sell it and i had like a new phone or whatever and i needed to clear it off but i didn't have a computer to clear it off with so i go and i put it on my friend's laptop the very first thing that popped up was my penis <laughs> i was like oh god he sees it and i'm like yep there it is <laughs> all of its glory you so did. I had to clear that shit out of there. Don't quick. look away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this wasn't an accident. <laughs> it's not easy to keep it hard this long. That's how we used to send nudes. I had to bring my phone over to his computer, plug it up, and then download it from there. <laughs> <laughs> I got to go to Rick's house and get my dick pic. <laughs> <laughs> it worked like mixtapes back in the day <laughs> you pass dick pics from one another <laughs> no you can use it it's okay i don't mind here's a polaroid <laughs> dude i uh when i was in high school i was dating this girl and i talked her into taking some nudes with polaroids mm-hmm. and uh my dad found one of them and uh i ended up marrying her so it's, it's not that big a deal but we got a divorce after that but not directly after that but eventually um, but like I had a Polaroid of her wearing like regular and then I had like a Polaroid of her naked <laughs> and I kept it in my truck and I forgot to take it out when I was selling my truck. And, oh, uh, no. so my dad's like, he like took it to his friend, you know, to take a look at it, you know? And like the guy's like going through and he like flips down the sun visor and this, <laughs> this naked picture of a 19 year old girl pops into his lap, you know? And he's just like, Oh, does this come with the truck too? <laughs> I don't know if he said that, but I just assumed. <laughs> your aunt pops in my aunt pops in and he's like I tell you what you should put Mitch in that Polaroid <laughs> That's- he's going straight to the top 
I've been actually looking at a lot of old pictures, um, like really, really old pictures on what is that website? The Library of the Library of Library Congress. Of Congress. Yeah. Yeah. I've been going through there and like just browsing through old ass pictures to get our episode artwork. Yeah. And it's been uh, there's a lot of really really cool pictures. Well, that's what like we were talking about. A lot of people don't realize that, but if if all the artwork for the episodes, those are all Arkansas, Arkansas pictures, photographs. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. The uh, so there's so, a good chance that somebody might be kin to someone in the pictures. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm hoping. That would be awesome. You, f- you, you, somebody's on Ancestry.com and they come across a picture of our. Uh, our podcast yeah <laughs> just us just. <laughs> there was a uh the first one was like a um it was a part of a photograph series that was like that was called like disparity in the ozarks <clears throat> or something like that and then uh the second one i think was might have been a part of the same uh series but then there i found some more with a uh a rehab facility in like mountain view or something like um, drug rehab I guess so. It was from what like drugs were they doing back then? Just I don't know. I guess opiates, flannel, opium, uh, yeah, flannel, <laughs> um, opium. I guess would be yeah, the drug. Probably, well, it's probably codeine and heroin. Heroin, yeah, those were big back then. Um, cocaine was around back then, wasn't it? I think so. Which is weird. No, that might have. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I it was. It's I think a cocaine. thing. I just don't know if it was well, here. I, supposedly, they used to put it in Coca Cola. Right. That was like in the was like 50s, in the 1920s. Though. Yeah. Well, it mm-hmm. helped with headaches. So. Yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah, there's a like there was like a rehab center in Mountain View. I found some pictures, some old photographs from uh, Little Rock, some from I used to play at a music venue called the Pontiac mm. in Springdale. It was like a coffee shop. And I didn't realize it was actually a really old historic building. Um, and I found some pictures of like the sign of that stuff. So that was pretty cool. Um. Well, that's like, what is it? Is it in Heber Springs where they have, I know that it's the, whatever that haunted hotel is, but it used to oh, like. Oh, Eureka Springs. Eureka Springs. Mm-hmm. What did I say? The Heber. Heber. Oh, I said Heber Springs. The Crescent Hotel. Yeah. But didn't that used to be like a tuberculosis place? And then like the guy was, it was like a mental institute and the guy was doing lobotomies on people. So it was a, um, I believe it was a, it was a war hospital, like a hospital during World War One or something. Mm-hmm. And then this guy had bought it and um, had the miracle or the That's miracle what it cure. Was. Yeah, he it was, was like cured. like tonic water or yeah. water from the the spring. But then he was also like taking people's brains out. Yeah, he was doing some some pretty pretty effed up s. Yeah, <laughs> some just, fucked up shit. He was it, doing some R word stuff. And yeah, and then uh, have you seen like the the ghost hunters of the Crescent Hotel? I've yeah yeah I watch it's it, it's on the documentary channel mm-hmm. because everything on there is real yeah so <laughs> it's it's pretty crazy. the documentary star trek is on there <laughs> um no uh it's it's pretty crazy i've been in the crescent hotel and there's another one that's supposedly haunted called the basin hotel mm-hmm. i actually have a ghost story about the basin hotel i think i saw a ghost there i, I feel bad because um i don't i don't like to do haunted houses uh-huh. and which is interesting topic to talk about because it is what is it september right now oh so yeah next uh, is october is next spooky, month right spooky month that's right we gotta start doing spooky, spooky september yeah yeah and then next month is halloween um i don't do haunted houses i don't, I don't either i don't like them and it's all because i have this fear that 
what if that person is a real killer? Yeah. And then no one's going to believe you. And you know what? Maybe he only kills one person and gets away with it. And then everybody's like, wait, this guy's really killing people. But you're still going to, what if you're that one person? Mm-hmm. Because everyone's going to be like, oh, no, it's part of the show. Keep on moving along. And like, he's just stabbing people. <laughs> in the neck, you know? And then everyone's just like, oh, it's okay. It's part of the show. Like, I'm not going to be a part of that. Yeah. The, uh, I, yeah, I won't do haunted houses Mm-mm. for sure. Because it's just, I don't, I really, really hate, I don't like watching scary movies in movie theaters. I do like that. Oh, it's because of all the, all it's the, the uh, sound. Oh, did you, have you ever seen Midsummer? Uh-uh. Oh, dude, that that movie's fucked up. I've seen the previews for it. It, dude, it messed me up a little bit. Like, really? it's, it's it's it forces scary. you to see things that you don't want to see. Is that the one you know where like saying? it's the people and they're like in like Germany or something? Norway, like that. Norway, yeah, some yeah. kind of yeah. Um, I had this like little little black lady next to me the whole time. You're holding her hand. No, all I heard was her go, mm, oh. Mm. And, and everything and there's like this scene with uh <laughs> you just see like a bunch of naked women and she you hear her like in disapproval she's like hmm and then <laughs> there's Mm-mm. a scene where you see the dude's flaccid penis like not even hard it's just limp as he's running around naked and she's like mm. <laughs> like i could tell how she was feeling throughout the whole movie <laughs> I'm surprised she didn't just go nope <laughs> yeah my nope. my pseudo father-in-law um, I call him my pseudo father-in-law because he's not legally my father-in-law, but um, that's how that's what it's like to watch movies with him. Yeah, it's the worst. Like we'll, we'll be watching like Captain America, and he and he would he's the guy that's like, what now? Why would you go in there? You knew, you know like <laughs> yeah. you knew you were gonna get blown up. It's like well, if they knew that, I don't think they would have done that. Right. And secondly, it's fake. It's make believe. It's not real. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yeah. The. Uh... No, I, I I don't like going into haunted houses because I don't like the loud noises and the jump scares. Like, ah, you know. Have you ever thought about wearing one of those um, safety vests like dogs wear? And like bubble wrap, like probably should <laughs> make me feel safe. Yeah. Um, but I love the like the haunted house, like the like the real ghost stuff. I do too because there's no acting. Like, your, yeah, your brain really starts to um, believe. Mm-hmm. what you're hearing like you assume you're just convincing yourself yeah yeah i totally don't believe any of it but if i'm wrong oh my god i'm gonna lose my shit <laughs> I, I believe it a little bit um because i think that there is way too much about this world dimensionally that we don't understand i agree yeah and so i don't think my my uh my argument has always been that i don't think that it's it's like ghosts. Like, I don't think it's like a, a demon or an entity that's trying to kill you. What I think is that somehow there was like a glitch in the time space continuum. And so, because it's always the same thing. Like when you go to the Crescent hotel, it's like, they're like, Oh yeah, this lady is always seen coming down the stairs. Yeah. I think that it's like a, a weird slice in time where it's, it's, it's two pieces of time playing over itself. Yeah. You know, so you're really just seeing like a rerun of this moment in time and something about that location on the time grid or whatever. I think, you know, our like emotions, we're getting super into weird stuff now. But like, I think those high emotion um, times, I think they release some sort of energy. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, we, I don't really necessarily think and believe in like our auras and. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I, I saw a girl the other day that was like walking by the gym. I just get like the greatest. Because you have a coffee shop right next. Walking from the gym. I had a furry. 
You know what a furry is? It's, oh, is it the people who dress up like animals and yeah, have sex? Yeah, I had a furry that walked in front of the gym while I'm teaching jiu-jitsu. I literally turn around. I go, okay, one, two, three. And the whole <laughs> gym like stopped and just stared at this furry walking by. I was like, wow. And this is in Conway. Like, this <laughs> yeah. isn't that big of a city. It's so weird. But anyways, I had this lady walk by and I just looked at her and I'm thinking like, what are the odds that she's a Reiki master? <laughs> you could just see it in her. Like she's totally... Um, but I think definitely like during those high emotions when like somebody's murdered or something, mm -hmm. there's some sort of energy that could be released or whatever. Let me tell you my ghost story. Okay. Uh, we went to uh, my my ex-girlfriend and I, we went to the Basin Hotel at, in Eureka Springs, which apparently a long time ago had burned down and a bunch of people died or whatever. I was watching, uh, it was like one in the morning there was like a ufc in some foreign country going on so i was watching that and there was a guy that the there was a guy that fought a guy that i fought so i was like mm -hmm. kind of interested in the fight right and i'm sitting there watching it and there's a bathroom door in front of us and we're on like the fourth floor so we're pretty high up and um in the bathroom i kind of look over the doors open there's a light that's shining in through the window um and there's a shadow that's against the wall that I had just assumed that or against the door that I just assumed had always been there when I looked away from the TV and focused in on the shadow the shadow like acted as if it had caught me looking at it and then walked away it was jerking off just moved away yeah it was some guy jerking off out the window <laughs> look at that guy watching UFC looks so hot right now um is that Mitch's aunt <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh so the uh but yeah and I wasn't freaked out at all it was just like that was weird. You know, it didn't bother me. I thought about it. I was like, probably like a ghost or something. And my, <laughs> you're like super nonchalant. You're I like, really yeah. was. I was like, in the next morning, I was like, why was I not like freaked out by that? That would like, totally be something that I'd be shitting myself over. I like how your take was like, you and the ghost both were like, hey man, I ain't fucking with you. I ain't fucking with you. Yeah. <laughs> the, what really happened was like, I got up and punched something and was freaking out. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> and i was like yeah dude it's just no big deal <laughs> so i have a i have a ghost story um and it's uh it's, it was really weird so like um i was with an ex-girlfriend of mine from high school and there was at this dead end that we used to have at the end of my street i lived out in the middle of nowhere off on the lake and there was like areas where they were going to build houses but they had stopped building houses so there was these dead ends so we were out there and, um, you know, we're making out or whatever. And, um, I kept hearing something like scratching on the, on the vehicle. And, um, I was like, maybe it's a, like a limb or a tree or something like that. You know, I don't know. And, um, and so it got to the point where it was like pretty loud. And, uh, I was like, dude, we need to get out of here. Like, <laughs> this is getting weird. And so, um, so we left and I got back to my house, you know, and woke up the next day and went out to go to work and there was a hook, uh, you're so full of shit. God damn it. I knew, I knew as soon as you started with that, you were on some bullshit. I was like, no. As soon as I heard you say that the, that there was a stick scratching the top of your car. Nope. Mitch isn't allowed to tell ghost stories anymore. That's getting cut out of the final episode. You gotta leave it in. That's gonna be awesome. <laughs> um, This is a good time. Give me one second. You're not pee. going pee. <laughs> we need to Oh yeah, because back out of that. That and it was super cold. Yeah. Now now it's about to get super, super hot. hot in here. Last last episode I was freaking sweating. 
It's because you were hungover. <laughs> That's true. I wasn't really all that hungover. The weekend like was really not that, uh, not that wild. I mean, we got we got drunk on Friday, at like nine nine o'clock. I was spent, and then they got shots out and woke me up for a second, my second wind. And then Saturday, I was in bed by like nine thirty. <laughs> After you guys went and did some charity work. Yeah, we did get to go like ride go kart. There's, there's like some guy that lives out in the hills. That built his own go-kart track and has like ungoverned go-karts. That's actually really awesome. And it was pretty sweet, dude. We <laughs> we went on on both Friday and Saturday. <laughs> we went and then we're like, oh, we gotta go back for more. And you're like, does anyone have any extra tokens? Yeah. <laughs> oh man. No, that was that was a lot of that was fun. It was just not nearly as exciting as you'd think a uh, a a thing would be. Should we plug like our Patreon? Always. Always should always plug the Patreon. So thank you to whoever it is that uh, who is it that's who's given five dollars. Jay, I don't know who that is. Jay Knutson. He's one of is my that, students. Is he's that a white Wayne? Belt. Can, is that Wayne Knutson's brother? No, not even no. close. Um, no, he's a white belt that changed my gym, and he's been he's all about it. He well, this is his shout out. So shout out, to shout Jay. out to James because he's the only one donating to the Patreon. Um, <laughs> we'll get we'll get more. I uh, believe we, in we us. need more. The uh, so we have a goal of a hundred, a hundred dollars a month, which we're gonna have more tiers. There will be more tiers. We have a five dollar tier right now. We will have a one dollar and a three dollar tier, um, so that everybody can help out. And so we got um, we have stickers now. Yep. the rough and tumble podcast so check out the instagram because we'll have uh, pictures of those up we have patches patches will be here on monday patches will be here on monday um so we're going to edit that out where we're just going to say patches <laughs> because this is going to get released on monday so. oh yeah i totally <laughs> forgot so we <laughs> you know the whole like talking about getting ahead yeah I was trying to do. <laughs> we got to be on the same page gotta... here if we want to get ahead <laughs> so we have patches and then we're working on a t-shirt idea but we're not going to tell anybody what it is. Working on a couple of t-shirt ideas. Here's yes. what I want. I want people to send us their favorite quotes and yes. favorite things from the podcast so that we can get better ideas of what people might want. Obviously, we're going to have like our logo on a t-shirt, um, something like that. But we want to put like some quotes out there, something that other people can can notice and be in on the joke. Yeah, that's, that's actually a really good idea. And the t-shirt idea that we have, I think we've said this particular phrase enough that... Um, that the seven people that listen to us are really going to enjoy this t-shirt. And then, so if you donate a dollar, then you get a sticker. Mm -hmm. We'll mail you a sticker or hand you a sticker next time we see you. Um, $5 would be a sticker and a patch. Yes. $10 sticker and a patch and a picture of me and Johnny. <laughs> We're actually going to have uh, professional pictures made. Uh, we'll have those soon. And you guys will get a picture of us. And, oh, that's going to be good. And then if you donate $100, you get a t-shirt. Because <laughs> it costs a lot of money to make t-shirts. So we can't. Yeah, that's we gotta, true. You know. I want to I wanna do like boudoir pictures of me with just my black belt. <laughs> I think that'd be hilarious. I want to do with, with me wearing one of those um, those things that people, what are those? They wear garters. Oh yeah, you know, and I'm gonna have like a, a 1950s pistol. <laughs> I was thinking about that. We had to go to Silver Dollar City just, and get those old time pictures for our photos. That would actually be it would fit awesome. perfect with everything it would. too, because right. especially the theme of the the episode artwork. Yep, all of it. It would be brilliant. 
We ought to do that, honestly. Um, except it's like a million dollars to get into that damn place. It is a million dollars to get into Silver Dollar City. And then it costs um, $2 million to get those pictures made. And so, um, but yeah, so go go uh, donate to the Patreon. All that money goes to pay for the streaming fees that we have to pay for because mm-hmm. uh, it's not free. So whenever people are listening to us on Spotify, Instagram, or not <laughs> Spotify, uh, God damn it. What the fuck are we on? Spotify. We're about to be on iTunes, Google Play. There you go. Um, YouTube, but we don't have to pay for YouTube. No, but people, you know, just the Podbean, like mm-hmm. we have to pay for these streaming services. Um, we have to buy new equipment. We want to get another microphone so we can start having guests on the show. Yes. Um, and we'll also be releasing content specifically for the Patreon. That's members. right. Um, so the way it works is basically you get to receive whatever we want to put out. So we're going to be releasing the episode artwork early. Maybe if we can get an episode ahead, we're going to start releasing the episode early on Patreon, but we have to get our shit Mm -hmm. together first. So if you really start donating money, that'll be one of the benefits is Mitch and Johnny will get their shit together. (laughs) Yep. So you're you're donating to the cause. (laughs) And then also we're going to start doing shout outs. So uh, Mr. Knutson got the first shout out on the podcast. So if you, if you start donating to the, to the Patreon, you're going to get a shout out on the, on the podcast. And speaking of shout outs, I talked to TJ Brown. Yeah. And he said that you were funny. He said that I was, and he had the most serious look on his face when he said I take great offense to that. He said, Johnny's funny, but not really. I think that TJ is, uh, I think we've got some some shit to handle. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, I don't think that our humor aligns because I've said some things where I'll look at him and he just kind of looks at me and I'm like, He's you didn't, you didn't think that was funny at all. <laughs> <laughs> and I just move on. Well, me and TJ are, are homeboys, you know, so he's uh, one of my favorite training partners and we're, we're from like similar areas of the world. And so I think there's a piece to that too. Um, but no, he actually, uh, he's actually injured right now. I saw that he yeah. tore his MCL. It's a um, grade two. MCL tear, you know, and so here's the thing about that. What a lot of people don't realize is he's had that injury for months. Yeah. Right. Um, and he still went out and knocked people unconscious, got a contract for the UFC, um, was training every day, wrestling on Sundays. I mean, the dude was putting in massive amount of works the whole time he had a grade two tear in his MCL. Hmm. So me, um, I actually, I actually hit my toe. Um, my bed the other night. My back hurts. I haven't trained in six months. So. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's a big piece of that. You know, I was thinking about, uh, well, never mind. It doesn't matter. Um, so yeah, get well soon, TJ. And um, really looking forward to his first fight in the UFC. So this oh, yeah. kind of put a damper on that. You know, he won the contract. So this is going to give him, he's going to have to take a little time off. But man, I can't wait to uh, to to pay ESPN Plus uh, $4.99 a month plus an additional $55 to be able to watch him fight. So, oh, yeah. That's going to be exciting. Yeah, it's going to be good. So um, it's the best part of UFC, honestly. It, the best, My favorite part of UFC is uh, that I have to pay ESPN plus $4.99 a month. <laughs> so um, so I wanted – I came across some really uh, some really good Mackenzie Dern Thirsty quotes Yes, that I wanted to share with you. McDern quotes. Yes. And so, so, so that people understand this, Johnny and I – purposely don't tell each other these things because we we don't want to ruin anything and so i've been you know how hard it's been 
for me not to send you these quotes. <laughs> I know. Because they're super funny. We, we honestly have to stop ourselves and make conversation yes. and be like, no, let's stop talking about this and save it for the podcast. Yes, because me and Johnny talk probably multiple times a day, every day. And so it's really hard a lot of times because it's like an inside joke. And the only person that thinks it's funny is you. <laughs> yeah. And so, and then, so, but anyway, okay. So I want to, I'm going to set this up. So I got him on my phone here. I saved him on my, the, the picture is Mackenzie Dern eating sushi. So I'll show you the picture. It's just this picture, <laughs> right? It's, and you guys can go look at the Mackenzie I don't know why that's so funny. I know. I could just already like oh, picture yeah. the, qu- the, oh, the comments good. on it. It's so good. All right. So, um, all right. So the first quote. So for you guys who don't know, Mackenzie Dern uh, is married to a surfer and she just had a baby. Like she just had a baby a couple of months ago, um, which means that she's she's breastfeeding. And so um, the picture is Mackenzie Dern eating some sushi. She's got like her mouth open and she's putting the sushi into her mouth. And when this guy goes, lots of guys wishing that sushi was something else. I'm assuming they mean a penis. Um and then this is my favorite one because it's like this guy incorporated the baby. He says, I think we all want to see what the baby had for dinner. <laughs> it's so That's ridiculous. a clever one. I know. He 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 spent time on that one. So this is my favorite one. This is my favorite one because he just this guy is so direct, right? <laughs> he just says <laughs> every time I see it, he just says, something tells me. Dern likes to suck dick. (laughs) 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 And that she's really good at it. And then one of these. (laughs) The shrug. (laughs) The shrug. The shrug emoji. It's just him going, maybe? What's it? I want to see what his profile is. It's probably like youth pastor. No, it's father of four. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm not going to say that what he looks like, but. If people were to go see this, they would go, that makes sense. Yeah. So my favorite one, it's not even, um, it's not even aggressive. It's this person, it's Ben's fit. So I pretty much just got, and I just got this guy like 50,000 Instagram follows. His name <laughs> is Ben's fit. And this one's not even, um, aggressive. It's not even, um, it's not even vulgar. I just like how passionate he is about this. So he or she says, I used to love it. Now it's all contaminated with all the crap we dump in the water. And yet people are still eating it and depleting the oceans of all kinds of fish. So much so. Oh, no. So much so that fish are literally starving. You don't believe me? Look it up. This person turned it into a political thing. And apparently, according to him or her, um, fish are currently starving to death in the oceans. (laughs) It turns into like an anti-vax conversation. That's what I thought was so funny about it was like it went from this guy going, I'm pretty sure Mackenzie Dern sucks dick <laughs> to this next comment. This guy's like, no, seriously, guys, we are starving fish and you're eating starving fish right now. That's the, wait, 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 that's not the same guy. No, it's a different oh, okay. guy. Okay. I was about to no, say, if that's guy. the same guy commenting this, that's even better. Wouldn't it? He's just like, that bitch looks like she sucks some dick. <laughs> By the way. Yeah. Um, the fish are dying. The people. fish are dying. People. <laughs> we need to get our shit together. Less fish in your mouth and more dicks. <laughs> Trying to save the <laughs> save the planet. That's the that's the T-shirt right there. Eat dicks, not fish. <laughs> oh man, that's that two. would be a great restaurant, <laughs> like some restaurant called Dicks Dicks Chicken or something. And yeah. it's like eat dicks, not fish. And then, so well, for all those uh, spit it out. All those <laughs> that's what you said. Hey you. All wow. All those uh, 
dick joke fans out there just got their dick jokes for the for the episode. So <laughs> yeah, they, you're welcome. There's your serving. There's your serving, guys. That's a, that's probably all you're gonna get. Let's get in. Let's get into the topic. We actually have okay. a topic for this podcast. We do. In full disclosure, I purposely have not done any research mm-hmm. on the rough and tumble fighting style because Mitch can't read. I have no idea what the words are. So to me, it looks if when I look at a book. It looks exactly like if I was looking at a, a mud puddle. Like hieroglyphics? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, the Egyptians. I don't get it. <clears throat> Let me open. Okay, so the topic is exactly our name. The rough and tumble, American rough and tumble fighting style, also known as gouging. Gouging? Gouging. Yeah, I think it had a couple other names, but I don't remember. Not to be confused with gaping. <laughs> gaping. Gaping is yeah. a porn style. Yeah. <laughs> So there's the next T-shirt. That's right. Gaping. Gaping. Gape. Um, so there was a book written in like 1985, I think. So recently. Re- yeah, pretty recently within the past 20 years, 30 years. There's a guy, um, his name is Elliot Gorn. He wrote the book on uh, Rough and Tumble. I mean, like literally uh, wrote it. And it's compiled of a lot of different stories because... Rough and tumble was common in the 1730s, but it had started to die out by the 1830s. And so there was a lot of, I mean, there's no real pictures of anything that went on. There's some drawings and there's some different accounts of people on their travels, like writing in their diary about it. And, and so like I, running into it and seeing it happen. Yeah, because it all happened in the backwoods of like Virginia, primarily, even some in Kentucky and down south and so on and so forth. But anyways, here's this quote from this book says, although historians are more likely to study people thinking, governing, worshiping, or working, how men fight, who participates, who observes, which rules are followed, what is at stake, what tactics are allowed, reveals much about past cultures and societies. I would agree. I think that's brilliant. I think think that could be like a tagline for our podcast. You know, I think I think that just like sums up everything that I love about fighting is it just reveals so much about people's character as well as people's culture oh 100 percent. yeah as like as a as a whole how that culture fights reveals a lot about that culture yeah like if you're uh like capoeira in brazil was dance fighting Mm -hmm. and that says a lot about brazilians yeah they 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 just dance they just dance fight and um all their music sounds like neighbors fighting yeah <laughs> yeah um so capoeira actually i've read some interesting things on that too we might get into that one day so a lot of people think that it was like this weird like illegal uh like it was illegal for the slaves to, to fight so they did they disguised it as dancing or whatever that's not the case they um it was actually gangs in in uh brazil in brazil that would they would even they would like hold razor blades and attach razor blades to their feet what? And so they would do those dance moves on, like, say, the corner of a favela. Mm-hmm. They would do those moves and they would fight on the for- corner of this favela as a way to, like, stake their claim to that area. And it was a way of intimidation. I feel like there were so many other ways you could have intimidated <laughs> Yeah, right? Like, like, with a gun? No. Anybody <laughs> want to do a backflip with a razor blade? <laughs> no, it's. I read it in that. I told you about the book that I was reading oh, yeah. that gave the um, pretty much every instance of fighting. Now I see why they know. changed the story. To, no, it was because the slaves weren't allowed to fight. Yeah, it's so yeah, much because more... it was really just a bunch of flamboyant Brazilians running around dancing with razor blades. <laughs> yeah, so it was basically West Side Story. Yeah, I think it was made illegal at one point, like the actual because yeah, they were like they, they probably were like 
uh, you guys look absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. So we need you to stop doing it. This isn't Studio 54. This isn't Studio Get the 54. hell out of here. Take off those pajama pants. <laughs> yeah. So the rough and tumble. No, I agree with you on 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 that quote and being able to study the different fighting styles of different cultures because even, you know, we talked about Turkish oil wrestling, which is pretty much just a giant porno. Here's another shout out. My friend Josh showed me that. He loves it when I tell people that he was the one to introduce me to Turkish <laughs> oil wrestling. Basically, Turkish oil wrestling is exactly what it sounds like. Two yep. men wearing uh, capris and slathered up in oil while old men who used to oil wrestle watch them in pleasure as they stick their hands down each other's pants in order to get the single and double leg takedown. <laughs> yep. That was the weirdest part for me when I was watching the video was not only did the guy put his hands down the back of the guy's pants, the guy who was having his pants entered into didn't do anything to stop. It. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he had his hand down the front of his pants. Yeah. It was just, it was super weird. But um, I agree. Being able to study those things. And what's cool is you hear about all these exotic fighting styles like capoeira, Turkish oil wrestling, uh, savat in, in areas of like France and stuff like that. And we, we forget that America itself was founded on very, very aggressive stylings of, uh, you know, the early part of American history was extremely aggressive in mm. every way, you know, um, not even just talking about, well, the fact that we had the the American Revolution and the the French Revolutionary War and then um, the Civil War, you know, and so these were all wars that were happening in the United States, something that we could never even begin to imagine happening now, right? All of our wars are fight fought in other people's countries now, but the American people, men of the American times, this is how they settled a lot of disputes was this, I'm going to stand in front of you and we're going to settle this. And then, of course, the advent of um, pistols and things like that started to make cowards out of men, in my opinion, uh, because people started solving their problems, just shooting you in the back instead of handling it this way. Right? No, they would duel. They yeah. would duel. That's right. Because I've heard that dueling didn't happen nearly as much as. Uh, well, no. Why would you want to do that? I know. It's you such know, a stupid. Like... But then again, we also used to walk straight at each other in big lines and shoot at one another for Super, a matter of warfare. It, very, very, very uh, tactical, uh, formations. The, the Taliban tried doing that against us recently. And, uh, <laughs> it hasn't worked out well for them. So anyway, uh, this guy wrote the book on, he pretty much wrote the book yeah. on rough and tumble. I mean, there's almost nothing else out there. I know, I've looked. So the rules, there's, there's three different rule sets. There's no holds barred, which is basically would be like MMA, right? Like mm -hmm. you can kick, punch, go to the ground, do whatever, but no, no biting or anything like that. And then Broughton styles, which is the Broughton boxing rules, thing, which right? is boxing, yeah, right. just boxing. Um, and then the rough and tumble. And the goal of rough and tumble, the ultimate goal, the KO, was to remove somebody's eyeball from their socket. God damn. And then you get to keep that as a trophy. Where would you put it? In your pocket. Would you? What if it gets smished? Smushed. I, I have no idea. I assume eyeballs are awfully soft. You yeah, I would imagine carry, they would like decay. And, yeah, you ever carried tater tots around in your pocket? There's a story of like um, this guy that had his that had like his ear missing, and a girl um, looked at him and said like, uh, "Oh, see, so see, so you didn't fare too well in the rough and tumble match." And he pulled an eyeball out of his uh, out of his pocket and it's said, like, "Oh, did I?" Oh, jokes on you, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then they had sex. 
And then, yeah, that's how pretty much yeah. how it was. Like the dude that do that now. The Try best that now. rough and tumbler was was the fucking man yeah. in the well. Yeah, in the area. He got his uh, dick bit off, so it didn't matter. Yeah, like, yeah. That was the other targets. There was genital removal. There was ears, nose, and mouth. And here's what I think is funny: is like when I teach self defense, the number one self defense concept. Go for squishy stuff. Squishy stuff? Yeah. I mean, like, if I claw you in the throat, like if, I grip, if I grab your ear, they're like bags of sand. <laughs> um, if I grab your ear, gouge your eye, your nose, that's the stuff that's going to do, that's A, the easiest for me to get to, get a hold of, and from a person that has no training to understand. Here's, right? So putting this into perspective, right? I think everybody who's trained in some combat sport has had their eye poked, mm-hmm. right? And nobody's eye came out. And imagine that. All right. So I've poked people in the eye um, on accident. That's coming in pretty quick, pretty aggressive, and actually stabbing someone in the eye. And their eyeball doesn't come out. Right. So now imagine what you have to do to do that on purpose and get the eyeball out in one piece. Thumbs. It's all thumbs. It's all thumbs. And yep. I'm sure there's a technique to it. But what do you do? You like practice? You like you kill a deer <laughs> and then you're like, yeah, like you go out into the forest. <laughs> one. <laughs> Too. That's what's crazy. And I can only imagine how hard it is to uh, rip a dick off. I've never done it. I've, I've yanked on mine a few times. <laughs> <laughs> With as much as I've pulled on mine, it should be a detached. That I thing is tough. <laughs> and it's still there. So I can imagine, like, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> I would end up just jerking the guy off. <laughs> Come, get off get of there! Off of there! Uh, oh, I think I'm, I think I'm getting close. There's stuff coming out of it. <laughs> there was, uh, there was, uh, they would file their nails down to points and then cover them in wax. They'd file their teeth down in order to. Do they cover their teeth in wax? I don't know. I, well, I would imagine their teeth are stronger than their fingernails. I think the wax sure. is to prevent it from like breaking and. Their fingernails from coming off, but I don't. I'm I just really thought sure. that I just figured the fingernails would just get in the way of everything. No, you like, you got to get through them eyelids before you get to the eyeball. God, you know, so what I'm crazy, like dude, it's brutal. And the funny thing about it is, there's so many parallels between the way that. So imagine like a high school fight, right? What happens? The very first thing that happens in a high school fight. Walk me through it. I pull my pants down. <laughs> what? That's, that's not, that's, you weren't looking for that. No, that's not what I was wanting. What's it? T- take me through exactly what would happen in a high school fight, though. I feel like I just did that. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> so, um, well, in my high school, what you would do is um, you would bump shoulders and then walk in a circle mm-hmm. um, and then try to shove each other with your shoulders. And then eventually one person would push the other person off of them and say, get off me. <laughs> and then everybody else would start going, fight, 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 yeah. fight. And then if I haven't already pulled my pants down, that's when I would do it. So the, <laughs> what do you do in your high school? Yeah, well, this is how it would play out for me. Usually I would instigate a fight between two people and I would 100% <laughs> do this. This was absolutely the kind of person I was. I would like, we were at an assembly and I'd be like, hey, dude, did you hear what he said about you? Like he said some mad shit. And then they'd get into a fight, right? So they would talk shit. At, at no point did people start going, you know, I'm not 100% sure that uh, Johnny's telling the truth. Yeah, Johnny's been the center of like 30 <laughs> fights now. <laughs> How's this happening? So instead it was like, well, if Johnny said it, it must be true. <laughs> that was the last person that they would believe. 
they would start talking shit and then they would square up and bump chest and then yep. a, a circle would start forming around yep. of of people and that circle would be the ring or the mm-hmm. octagon right um people would chant or whatever that's pretty much exactly how rough and tumble matches would happen and it was and they said that it was remarkably easy to offend somebody if i called you a, a so just like it is now yeah yeah if i if i called you a name i mean if i was like hey mitch what you know, would you call me what, what, what something something if i would, minimal like if yeah. i was like dude you're a loser you'd be like what the fuck did you say or that's exactly what i would do <laughs> right was now. it uh i'm not a loser you jive turkey <laughs> you jive turkey <laughs> a jive turkey would would set set a, up a uh, rough and tumble match the whole town and these are like small towns because they're in the mountains of virginia right missouri arkansas uh louisiana kind of all over the south we don't have mountains in louisiana <clears throat> Well, the swamps, the by <laughs> the toilets, um, but so the whole town would shut down. Every, I mean, shops would shut down. They would, everything would shut down. They'd and they go, would send like a paper boy from door to door, and he'd be like, <laughs> "Fight, fight, fight!" They said this would happen like two to three times a week. God, it's because there's nothing else to do. I guess, yeah. There's nothing else to do. Like nobody's watching TV. And all you're doing is interrupting puppet shows. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just kids, shadow puppets. Wrap it shows. up, kids. There's a rough and tumble fight Let's at go, one. What? Fuck. <laughs> they would, uh, yeah. So, and they would schedule them too. But, anyways, the, um, the, the, these travelers that wrote about it, they even noted that there was a thing that they called the magic circle. That was the, gr- the group of people it's like that formed the circle that created the ring that they were, would fight in. Anything that happened outside of that was, you know, or like any ha- anything that happened inside of that was fair game. But I guess once they were outside of that circle, it was, it was settled. But they wouldn't. Um, I like that they called it a magic circle. Yeah, like I mean, we have magic circles now on our bodies. <laughs> but it's like such a such a random random thing to like to note that it makes me feel like that it was something a new idea. So did these fights ever end in draws? Were there are there accounts where like nobody won? I don't think so. I mean, you pretty much had to. Somebody had to either give up or have an orgasm die <laughs> just jerking them off yeah <laughs> until they die uh or um i think even like if i ripped your eyeball out and ripped your ear off unless you told me to stop it just kept going we just kept going there's so a story of a guy that ripped one guy ripped another guy's lip down over his chin get the fuck out then the guy that had his lip ripped down reverse you know like reverse position or whatever slammed the dude's head into something then rip bit off both of his ears and they said he bit off one of the ears so badly it looked like you could shove a fist into his skull god damn and the guy uh, i think that's when the guy quit yeah he was just like hey man i got these fist holes in my uh in my head now yeah i gotta i gotta take it easy i got <laughs> i'm gonna t- i'm gonna sit these next couple innings out yeah i can have a rest day <laughs> bragging was another piece that was like a piece of rough and tumble like they bragging and they would compare themselves to animals like i've got hands like a bear I've, i can fight a steamboat like they would just say these ridiculous absurd <laughs> things i'm not kidding dude it's in the book <laughs> he said i could fight a steamboat. yeah like something about a steamboat. i'm, t- I'm a, as tough as a steamboat or something like that let a steamboat come to my house see yeah happens. see what happens but you won't but they would make up these like ridiculous stories which is also goes into part of um there's a lot of inconsistencies and nobody knows exactly how common it was because as far as how the fights themselves yeah um they said in the they said in the early 1700s like 1730s 1740s it was something that every 
frontier man would need to be prepared for pretty much at any time. Which makes sense. And then it started to die out. It got popular and spread and then started to die out with those with those guns. But with um, after the the spike came a lot of stories and a lot of um, tales. Tall tales? Yeah, tall tales. And so did you ever watch that movie with Paul Bunyan? I did. The actor Paul Bunyan. Um, he was one of my favorites. <clears throat> I've watched everything Paul Bunyan's ever been in. Yeah. <laughs> what if Paul Bunyan was a rough and tumble fighter? He'd never want to fight. Dude, he's the he'd be ripping skulls off clean off. Yeah. Just, <clears throat> right off their necks. Yeah, anyways, I think it's freaking cool. Stupid I agree. Awesome. And then um were there any like you know, like People will always talk about, oh, George St. Pierre. You know, were there like these well-known like... I looked for some. I wanted there to be... They mentioned... They specifically said, I think in the Wikipedia article or something, it mentions a uh, specific gangly man from Missouri. And I was like, oh, that could be related to that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Gangly from Missouri. (laughs) And so there's... And there's like places that are like Gouge Creek or... Mm. Um, there's some like roads that are named after people, like nicknames of people in honor of their, in honor of their, their fighting, I guess. But I haven't been able to find any like specific rut, like the best rough and tumble fighter ever or whatever. Oh man. What if we could find that and then go take a picture of the street sign? I really want to. I think that'd be cool. That'd be super cool. I think there's a lot more still. I just haven't found it all yet. I'm still pretty on the google page i've only got yeah it's, it's page still one rough and tumbles a fairly new concept so i understand there's not a whole lot of information out yet. <laughs> it's brand new it's brand new like it just it just came out so. but i want to get the author of that book on yeah. the show i think oh, that should. would be a really cool interview i'm sure I'm gonna, there's nothing else going on i'm gonna try to he's got some other books on fighting that oh, i want to check out as well oh that'd be super cool um i need to get the list of the books and so that i can uh, well, if we can get people to start here. giving us money on our Patreon so we can afford another $42 microphone. So I can afford a book. So <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't pay my audible, um, monthly <laughs> subscription of $4 without Patreon help. Yeah. Not with the ESPN plus. <laughs> not while I, it's one of the other boys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's pretty much all that I've found out from rough and tumble so far. I think that it's, uh, dude, I just, when I was reading it, I was seriously in here like. I think you could probably hear me just being like, what? No way. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. This is insane. <laughs> <laughs> they have uh, sports now or battles now where it's just two guys slapping each other. Yeah. The slap fighting. Couldn't, they do that in Branson. Do, do they? There's one in Branson. Couldn't yeah. do it. You slap me in the face. I, I immediately get pissed off. Yeah. We used to do when um, sometimes when you're in like training for MMA, when you're doing uh, ground and pound, I almost said rough and tumble. <laughs> when you're doing ground and pound, it, the person on bottom will get to a point where they'll like hug, hug the head and arm. Mm-hmm. And so you really can't do anything and you're just stalling inside a guard or something. And so whenever that would happen, we'd start calling for slaps. And dude, as soon as you'd hear one connect, pop, you'd hear it was like a cat fight yeah. all of a sudden. You'd, <laughs> you'd, see, <laughs> you'd see movement like crazy. Dude. Like nobody wanted to get bit slapped. Don't slap me in the face. I've thought about like at the end of open mats, just calling out people and like you and you combat jujitsu go, go. <laughs> yeah. As a, so I'm a combatives instructor as well for the military. When I was going through to get my instructor upgrade, we went and uh, trained with 
our SEER guys, which is our search, our um, survival, evasion, resistance, and escape specialists. They do all of our air crew training and combatives training, stuff like that. We had to set up these different scenarios and we were doing knife scenarios where, you know, you, you, you come upon somebody and, you know, and you get the gun away from them and then like, oh, psych, got a fucking knife too, bro. Mm -hmm. And um, what, they, what the instructor did not tell me was that um, it was a taser knife. Oh, I hate and, those. Yeah. I hate him so much. Yeah. And so um, I'm wrestling this gun away from this person. Um, and then I just hear like, pop, 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 pop. Yeah. Like, what the <laughs> fuck is that? Yeah. I'm like, what is that? And then I feel it on the back of my, on, the, on like my, my, uh, my, uh, what I would refer to as my love handles <laughs> <laughs> on my back fat. <laughs> and uh, I almost shit my pants. Yeah. It's like as so soon as scary. I felt it, like, my uh, my magic circle that I refer to as my, butt, <laughs> as my butthole, it just like opened up, and uh, I had to really work to get it back in. But I was magic like, "What circle. the fuck is happening right now?" And I ripped his eyeball out. So <laughs> we I that wanna, was the last time he ever pulled a taser knife on me. I want to teach jujitsu moves and start adding like at the very end, uh, like and then you gouge his eye out. You know, like a rough and tumble <laughs> jujitsu move. I think that'd be hilarious. Um, Looks like somebody lost. <laughs> so has the army combatives, do you feel like it's gotten better? I don't, I'm not in the army, so I don't know. I'm just sorry. kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm I sorry. I, I always refer to all combatives forms as army combatives. Yeah, it's, it's okay. Sorry, you're Air um, Force. I am in the Air Force. That's Air correct. Force combatives. So, but no, so I am Air Force combatives certified. Uh, I actually go uh, in October. I go to the Air Force Academy to get my master certification so uh -huh. that I can actually certify instructors. And I get to spend three weeks in Colorado Springs uh, training with uh, several different combative instructors from all over the Air Force, um, some of which will probably be Army because we, we do cross certification. Mm -hmm. And uh, Dave Durnell, the guy who runs um, the instructor program there at the Air Force Academy, he's a black belt in jiu-jitsu, trains there locally. So that's going to be pretty cool. I'm actually nervous about it because it's at altitude. Yeah. And so I'm in pretty good shape right now. I've been getting ready for those fights coming up next weekend. It's going to be one of those things where it's going to be like, this is super badass, but I also feel like I'm going to have a lot of problems with the altitude. Mm -hmm. But the, all combatives programs have come a long way. So we have like the initial combatives program that's given it what we call a session courses. So like basic training, officer, uh, OTS, um, the Air Force Academy. And it's just super basic stuff. I talked to an Air Force Academy grad recently, actually yesterday, and he said they've taken a lot of the stand-up stuff out of the curriculum, and it's mostly grappling now. And I and I understand why, uh, from a from a battlefield perspective, the people that we're fighting now, it, it you're you're not going to get into a, a boxing or kickboxing match with them. It's yeah, going to they're going to jump the fuck or... on top of you mm -hmm. and try to choke, like try to crush your windpipe with their AK-47s or whatever. So a lot of it is grappling based. They've kind of pulled a lot of that out. The army was the first one to do it. So the air force has always followed suit with what the army has done. So the army combatives program came along way back in the nineties and the army actually went to the Gracie family mm -hmm. and said, Hey, um, we want to have you guys helping us develop this combatives program. So it was very, very much uh, Gracie jujitsu based or jujitsu based. And then the, the Marines came on with their McMap program, which is the uh, Marines mixed martial arts. And then the Army's is called MACP, which is their, uh, I don't, I can't remember what it stands for. I know that the, the C and the P stand for combatives program, but it, it's modern Army combatives program. There you go. And then ours is just called AFPC, which is the Air Force combatives program, mm -hmm. um, AFCP. It has come a long way. And I think a big reason why is because back in the day, we had limited resources. Nobody knew a whole lot about it. Nobody knew a lot about ground fighting for sure. And now that 
most of your combatives instructors in the military are also like purple, brown, and black belts in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. That's good. Yeah. A lot of them are MMA fighters. So these are guys who are really passionate about fighting. They're really passionate about grappling arts and stuff like that. And so um, they're, they have a more vested interest in trying to increase the reality of the programs. So it's pretty cool. So when I come back, I'll uh, I'll let you know more. I had done a class, like one of their program classes or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't know what you would call it in Georgia and Atlanta. What's the base in Atlanta? What is that? I don't know that there's one in Atlanta. It's like a oh no no you're thinking college, is it an Air Force base? Or I, is it an I Army wouldn't base? be able, I wouldn't be able to tell you for sure. Okay, I know that there is an Army base out there because uh, there's a Special Forces group out there. And then for the Air Force, we've got two. Dobbins okay. and Robbins are out there. The I area. can't remember which one it was. We were stuck in Atlanta on our way to Brazil. And then um, we had a friend that picked us up for a couple of days, took us out there. Anyways, but when they were doing it, one of the guys was teaching like neon belly escape using like an elbow to the thigh. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, I'm trying to kill you. Right. You elbowing me in the thigh is not going to do anything. Mm-mm. My knee is not moving from your chest because you're elbowing me in the in the thigh. Like, yeah. Sorry, I'm gonna take that bruise. <laughs> you know? And that's what you're gonna find. You find a lot of um, you find a lot of people who are looking at ways to. You know, the reality would be to, and this is what I think the Air Force has done. Thankfully, is the Air Force always takes a a, a cerebral approach to everything, mm-hmm. and so you know they did case studies. They watched different fights they saw like in the gracies did it too but you narrow it down to there's well over 500 techniques in jiu-jitsu and they narrowed it down to roughly 15 techniques that are commonly occurring yeah you know so like you said you know elbowing the guy in the in the in the thigh it's like well that guy probably did that to somebody and it worked so he's like all right i'm gonna teach this now yeah you know but you're right man when you're active i mean look at look at some of the ufc fighters or mma fighters that come out after a fight um, they, their face looks like hamburger meat, mm-hmm. but you couldn't, you wouldn't know any different while the fight's happening, Yeah, you know? And it's because of being in the moment, being in the mm-hmm. adrenaline situation, all those types of things. And so, yeah, elbow me in the thigh, like you, you grab my dick. I'll get a <laughs> that response. Might, yeah, that yeah, might you go for that, squishy stuff. Yeah, go for the squishy stuff. Rip that bad boy off. Yeah. Good luck finding my nuts. But chances are if my knee's on your chest and I'm punching in the face, it's not very squishy. And I'm, there. yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Your magic hole is just <laughs> dilating as we speak. <laughs> magic magic circle. circle is just dilating. Oh, another T-shirt. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, it's the the programs have come a long way, and what I I want to see it. I would like to see it spread to the more common forces as well, yeah. not just like your security forces guys, your infantry guys and girls. What I plan to do is once I get done with this certification program. With my unit at Little Rock Air Force Base, I plan to actually try to implement it into the unit where it's going to be offered yearly for yeah. for our people to do it. And like I said in the interview that I gave a while back with our public affairs people, our day begins and ends at our place of work, but your life begins and ends outside the walls of the base. You know, and so this idea like nobody's going to rob you at the BX. Where you're going to get attacked is going to be pumping gas in Jacksonville when you're least expecting it. You know what I mean? And that's what we need to equip our people with is is the the know-with-all. You know, we, we disguise it in the shape of Air Force combatives, but really we're teaching self-defense. Mm-hmm. And it's free. 
They don't have, it's part, like you're getting paid to come learn how to defend yourself as opposed to going to Gravitas or Westside or any of the number of the other gyms in the area where you're going to pay a tuition every month, you know? Like, right. So that's kind of my, my piece. And I would also like to eventually get enough people together that we can create an Air Force grappling team to go because the army has different tournaments that they do and it's all combatives tournaments and stuff yeah where you wear the you know your uniform and stuff like that and so i'd like to put together a team uh here at little rock air force base where we would travel and get to go to different army bases and stuff and compete representing the air force in these different um army combatives put me in coach put me in exactly oh i'll go do it well you have to have military affiliation yeah that's fine my dad was you had your chance so (laughs) (laughs) um that's what i have you for mitch that's right so the thing that i've uh struggled with because i do a lot of work with the police department Mm -hmm. here in town your criminal record yeah um (laughs) my i do a lot of work with the police department teaching them like defensive tactics and um, I even get to teach like handcuffing techniques. Oh, sweet. Which is cool. And I, I try to study on that and stay up to date on that. But the most frustrating thing about it is, and I tell every single, I'm very upfront with them. I'm like, listen, I don't care if you train here or at the other gym in town. It doesn't matter to me. You have to be in a gym. You have yes. to train. Yes. That's, you cannot. And dude, it is so hard to get cops in. It is. I had a discussion. So one of my close friends, Christian Davenport. I mean, he's, he's, in my opinion, he's a registered badass. He really is. He's a black belt in jiu-jitsu. He spent, um, it's my understanding, and if I'm wrong about this, I apologize, Christian, but um, it's my understanding that he spent most, if not all, of his army career in the SF community mm-hmm. right, as, uh, as a special forces guy. And then he was a, a Little Rock police officer. He now is a, a contractor, so he works for the State Department doing things like that. I've had that conversation with him where I'm like, dude, what, you know, why are there not more police officers taking advantage of this stuff, right? There's a couple of guys. So I teach a 6 a.m. class at Westside. There's a couple of Little Rock police officers that come in, but that's about it. Like, I don't know of any other police officers. And I asked Christian, you know, and one of the things that he kind of said to me was, and whether this is true or not, it is what it is. I, I don't know, but I have verified this through a couple of different police officers, is that they don't like the idea of knowing that an average person can beat the shit out of them. Yeah, absolutely. Imagine what that must feel like for a police officer. You're out Mm -hmm. there trying to control a suspect. You're trying to, out there, you are the boss. Yeah. Right? You've got your weapon. You've got your taser. You've got your different combative stuff that you can do, your defensive tactics. And then you go in on a Saturday and an IT guy from Dillard's (laughs) named Andy beats the shit out of you. And it, it reminds you. Of your vulnerabilities, I guess. I don't know. But you would think like as a guy, as a person like me, I'm, I'm going to go, no, I'm, I want to learn that stuff so that I can beat the shit out of uh, cops, you know, uh, robbers or I don't know. Cops and robbers. Cops and robbers. Yeah. yeah. Whoever fucking comes my way. I, I agree with that 100%. They, they don't like knowing that an everyday person can beat them up. I always, it probably doesn't help that whenever I bring them in, I'm like listen, I'm like two steps away from being a criminal that you're going to arrest. And so like, you, I mean, like, look at me, you I'm, know, like I'm one bad decision away from being yeah. in the back of your car. I'm the guy that you stereotyped and pulled over because yeah. of the tattoos and the shitty truck you drive. <laughs> do you think that like, that if I decided to, do you think that you're going to stop me? Right. If I get my hands on you? No, no. Sorry. I've proven it whenever I bring them in and I have my students roll with them. Now, don't get me wrong. You tase me, you freaking hit me with that pepper spray, pull your right. gun out. I'm going to cry and probably poop my pants. Yep. But if I get a hold of you before you get any of that stuff, you better believe you're not getting a hold of any of it. Nope. And uh, and I have blue belt, 40-year-old blue belts that come in and prove that to them because mm-hmm. um, they'll come in and do those classes with me. 
yeah. they just won't they won't commit to it. And I'm like, you guys are insane. That's why that's why so many people are getting so are getting shot. I, I agree. truly believe. You know what? I could I could honestly agree with that. And 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 I'm the son of a retired police officer, and and my father has never been involved. He, I think he's been involved in maybe one officer involved shooting. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was a legitimate situation. Like there was this drug dealer coming in uh, from like Colombia, and they knew he was flying in, and they like met him uh, at the airport to stop him. You know, they had other agencies with them, and he just opened up the door and started blasting him was out of your here. dad don johnson <laughs> did he work on miami vice <laughs> my dad's way cooler than don johnson <laughs> this day and age you're dealing with that more and more because imagine the first time you got into a fight when you were in like high school or whatever it's fucking chaos you feel like you were absolutely in the worst scenario possible with no control over the situation right and then imagine that that guy might have a gun and then imagine that there's a possibility that he has a couple of friends that are going to come over and try to help him. Mm-hmm. So I get it. But you're right, man. I think if people were more confident in their ability to control people and more confident in putting their hands on people, yeah, that's the thing that I think is beautiful about jiu-jitsu for women and for children is not that we're teaching children how to beat each other's asses. It's that we're putting children into positions where we are callousing them, right? So you put two kids in a in a match together on the mats and they're going to accidentally kick each other. They're going to accidentally hit each other in the face. They're going to get bumped in the nose and stuff like that. But over time you develop a callus to that. And so they're not as reactive to those types of stimulants. Mm-hmm. And so I think the same thing for police officers, it, you know, a, a guy grabs a hold of you and reaches for your gun and you have no fucking clue what to do. You're going to go into survival mode and the only, you're going to go back to caveman brain and you're going to pull a gun and you're going to fire a weapon. Mm-hmm. And so if something were to happen where you were you went unconscious, that's mm-hmm. free game for him now. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think that law enforcement, even uh, EMTs and firefighters, I think, um, not necessarily because they're going to be dealing with bad guys, but you're going to have combative patients all the time. Yeah. You know, tell me about how you got your black belt. So it was a. Uh, it was a sunny Sunday afternoon. I was born. I was born. <laughs> no, my black belt story was was pretty cool. It um it was totally unexpected. I had been having different dreams uh, about getting my black belt because I knew it was close. I was a four tip brown belt at the time, obviously. And I'd been training over ten years by this point. You know, but with Roly, it doesn't matter. You know, when he thinks you're ready, you're ready. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about it is that when he thinks you're ready and promotes you, you know you're ready. Yeah. You know, it's not like a, a lot of schools, you know, come up and go, hey, you know, you're going to be testing for your black belt. So, you know, make sure you get all uh, 36 of those headlock escapes, really get them down. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to show them in front of people. You know, it's like, whatever, dude. It was a Sunday open mat. So I'd, I had actually had a dream. And this is this is absolutely a true story. I had had a dream and I told Rolly about it a couple of weeks before this that Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre <laughs> – I was tell them that they gave you your butt. No, (laughs) I was hanging out with them and like, we're just chilling, you know, like me and Dre and like me and Snoop Dogg are chilling and I'm not even a West coast rap fan. I'm an East coast fan. So I I would much rather have been like most deaf Wu Tang, something like that, you know, but unfortunately it was some West coasters. I know. know. Always ruining the party every day. Right. We're hanging out or whatever. And then like Roly shows up and he's like, Oh, Hey, what's up fellas? 
And Snoop Dogg's like, bro, when you gonna promote Mitch to Black though? <laughs> <laughs> and I told Rolly about that. And I was like, that's a real dream. That's not a hint that I should get promoted to black belt. And he was just like, well, I already told you that uh, I I gave up my last black belt years ago. So I'm not promoting anybody else. And he carried that for a long time. Like for a long time, he was like, no, you know, it was like Mark Sniff was my last black belt. I'm not promoting anybody else to black belt. And I was yeah. like, thank God. So it was Sunday. It was a Sunday in January. We were having this big open mat at Westside. Like all teams were invited. I'm pretty sure that Gravitas was invited. You know, you know showed as usual. <laughs> Typical. Typical Gravitas. Am I saying that name right? Gravitas? Yeah. Okay. Because I used to call it Gravitas. Yeah, so did yeah. everybody else. So did everybody else. else. Mm -hmm. I only know that because I think I've heard you say Gravitas. But when I first saw that you opened up your gym, I was like, Psh, man, I can't have no competition. So I was actually going to go firebomb it. But I was like, no, nah, let's see. Let's see. Let's let this pan out. Let's see what happens with it. Yeah. We got done training and there was like a ton of people there from all kinds of different gyms, except Gravitas wasn't there. <laughs> and um, <laughs> we're all sitting around and Roly talk, you know, he's like, man, you know, you never with with Westside, you never know what's going to happen or when you're going to get promoted. And he's like giving this speech or whatever. And he's like, I just feel like this is the perfect moment. And he pulls out a black belt and I'm like, Psh, this is it, bro. Yeah. Uh, and then he calls Andy up <laughs> to uh, get promoted. And I was like, well, you know, that's cool, man. Like, you know, I'm just not ready yet. I get it. Like I'm getting verklempt, you know, because I'm like, well, it's not fair, but yeah, I get it. Because <laughs> I thought I was just as good. Yeah. But I wasn't. And um, and so I'm like, you know, I'm clapping for him because I'm I'm uh, reluctantly clapping. I'm reluctantly clapping at him because good for you, Andy. You know, yeah. Way to go. Good for you. But Andy absolutely deserved it. Andy's a way better black belt than I am. He was a way better brown belt than me too. Well, then after that, you know, he's like, talk, Rolly's talking. And um, he said, you know, you just, you never know um, what's going to happen. And then he said, almost everybody always ends up at Westside, which was interesting because he had offered me when I was leaving the Gracie Baja organization um, to open up my own gym, he had offered to let me come train with him. He's like, mm -hmm. man, you need to come over here. I think you just need to be a student again. I was a purple belt. And I was like, no, I'm going to do my own thing. And here it is, you know, years later, I actually ended up coming to Westside. And I'd been at Westside for probably two years at this point, maybe. <clears throat> and then, uh, so he called my name up and I'm like, fuck, are you serious? But it was cool because uh, Denilson Pimenta was in town from Brazil at this time. And we had a giant team there. And so then him and Matt promoted me to black belt then. Mm -hmm. I was so unaware that it was happening. I was wearing a pair of like blue bottoms and a black top. Like <laughs> it was like my most ragged gi ever. Yeah, you know, like my hair was all jacked up. I hadn't, I hadn't fixed it, and uh, which is rare for me. But yeah, so I they promoted me in January. So now Andy, Andy technically outranks me by I think about I think we it's like fifteen minutes. <laughs> so he does line up in front of me when we line up. <laughs> That's hilarious because he does outrank me. The organization I was in before it was very much like, hey man, you know, you're going to be testing in December for your black belt. So make sure you're boning up on all the techniques and stuff because you're going to have to do all the techniques in front of some so-and-so and stuff. And it's like, to me, that's not a black belt. Yeah, that doesn't like mean that. you're a black belt. Mm -hmm. That just means that you know how to statically perform X amount of techniques. Right. Right. Yeah. What makes you a black belt is your ability to perform in a match or in a fight. To, I think honestly to adapt. To a, yeah, yeah, as well. That's a really good point. Yeah, to adapt, you know, because... 
<clears throat> we all have our own styles. And like I've said before, there's 500 some odd techniques in jiu-jitsu. I use three of them. That's yeah. it. I just use three. Yeah, I think a lot of people think, I'll get tangled up in these weird, crazy positions that like doing bear and bolo and stuff. But I think a lot of people assume that I know what's going on in that situation. And that's yeah. how I'm coming out on top. It's not. Like, I don't know what's going on a lot of the times. About I would say about like 40% of the time. But you can no feel idea. it. Yeah. You're, you're, you're un, you understand the position. You understand the pressure that's being pushed on you. You can react and adapt to the body positions. And I, I always notice in those moments too, like um, that it's my understanding of the basics that, that mm -hmm. gets me out. Okay, what do I need to stop first? His hips. Okay, yeah. get his hips away from me. Now what's next? You know, like break this grip or whatever. I tell people all the time when it comes to techniques that, because I'll get people at, I do consider myself a guard passer. I'm not a guard player. And for me, the reason I think I became a guard passer was because I look at jujitsu. If you just reverse engineer the technique, then you can, you can figure out the counter. Yeah. Right. And so like with single leg X reverse where, what is causing you to fall? Well, it's him lifting his hips and turning his knees. And, and the only way you can do that is with the foot that's on the hip. Well, if you get rid of that foot, the technique's over. Yeah. So you're just reverse engineering things. The best example that I always use for that is guard, close guard, and mm -hmm. full mount. Close yeah. guard, close guard is full mount upside down. That's very true. And so that's why whenever people people get comfortable inside of the close guard, for some reason, because I guess they're on top and mm -hmm. they think that it's okay to hang out in the close guard. Your work is not done in the close guard. Like yeah. you are in trouble. You need to get out of that position before you can rest or relax. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I explain it as like, you're in full mount. You're in the upside down version of full mount. You can't stay there. Right. You have to get out. Um, so it's just as urgent. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, that's a, that's the perfect. That's a, I think that's the perfect like basic example of like you reverse engineer that position, right? From closed guard to full mount. It's mm -hmm. the same thing. The same rules apply. I don't reach straight up at your face underneath full mount. Right. So why would I do the same thing, thing yeah. on closed guard? That makes a, that's a really good, you're going to get arm locked either way, right? Right. It's a very interesting place yeah. to put that. So what about you? Because you got your black belt after me, which means <laughs> that I outrank you. We had a joke going for a while that I was the gatekeeper of black belts for a minute. <laughs> right when I got my brown belt, um, I went through like a couple competitions where I would just was matched up with the guy that was about to get his black belt. <laughs> Dude, that was the same thing that was happening to me. Yeah. Was I was a brown belt. And I was watching all my friends get their black belts, mm -hmm. you know, and it was guys that I had either beaten in competition or whatever. And I was just like, fuck, man. We you know? do we do our uh, our stuff a little bit differently. We used to do I used to get rank at seminars um, mm -hmm. because I wouldn't I didn't see Mr. Jing, my, my instructor, very often. This is when I lived in Northwest Arkansas. Oh, OK. And so it was like three hours, three and a half hours or whatever. Um, and so I didn't see him very often and my coach at the time was purple brown, uh, belt. So we'd bring Mr. Dring in to do that. Right. Which is um, typical for a lot of gyms. That's very typical. Yeah. We didn't like the seminar thing because it started turning into like, you have to go to a seminar to if get you want rank. And it kind of and then became, people were only coming to seminars thinking they were going to get rank. Right. And then they get pissed off when they weren't getting stripes yes. and stuff. No, yeah. I get it. Yeah. And, um, since I've opened up the gym, we've ran it a little bit differently and it's been an evolving process. Because I don't necessarily like everything that happens in it. But one of the things that I really appreciate about my instructor is that he's always um, given me the freedom to do things the way that I want to sure. do them. Both with my gym and who I train with, who where I travel, how I do everything. Is who you do podcasts with. Who I do podcasts with. Well, he knows like, dude, I'm a loyal OG to Mr. Dream. You know, mm -hmm. like 
I love I love the man, and so he he it's like a good girlfriend, you know. Like right. he knows I'm faithful to him. I can do whatever I want. You can fuck whoever you want. You know, you're always going back to him. Yeah, just yeah. no touching. <laughs> <laughs> and so the way that we do it is about every six months, I bring Mr. Dring in for what we call rank review. It's mm-hmm. not a test. I make it a point because people will be like, oh, yeah, we got testing. Like, no, it's mm-hmm. not testing. You're not being tested over any techniques. Nobody's asking you to do specific techniques. We'll go through and the white belts and uh, we'll ask them to teach a floor movement. That's it. Nothing else. Like not, we're not asking you to show me a shrimp. We're not asking you to show me a specific move. Just show me a movement down the floor. You do it. Okay, great. Everybody does it with you. That's awesome because we want to see how you can relay the information, Mm. right? Like I've talked about that a little bit, how you understand it, not how, how you understand the way that I understand it, you know? And so then, you know, the higher ranks, they'll, you know, show me how to get out of side control, get out of full mount. And we'll kind of go through like that and make it a little bit more of a seminar that the higher ranks are teaching. Um, And so everybody gets some techniques out of it Mm -hmm. and some, you know, the white belts maybe pick up a new movement that one other white belt showed. The blue belts might pick up a new uh, guard pass that the purple belt showed or something like that. And so the way that I got my black belt is because it's structured like that. About every six months, um, we come in. If you deserve the tip, then you get it. If you don't, then you don't. Um, and I'm again, I'm pretty strict on that. Like um, Most of the time, if somebody isn't going to be receiving rank, I'll be like, you probably should skip this <laughs> right? review. Yeah, just not because worth your money. Yeah, I don't I don't want to rip people off. But at the same time, I also tell them like, listen, so and so is gonna be ranking up or we're gonna have people belt ranking. So if you wanna be a part of the team, if you wanna support your friends, then be there because whenever you're ranking up, you'll want them there. Oh yeah. Um and so it's a nice way that the whole team can come together and celebrate everybody's accomplishments, um, and everybody's time spent doing the work. The way that I got my black belt, sorry, um, we go through that process. And then we have, uh, at the end of every year, we have a black belt conference. Or um, we've actually got so many people on the team now, we have to do two a year. I think I remember seeing that Yeah, you guys were doing that. And so we'll do a black belt conference where all the black belts from the team come in and teach like three or four little mini seminars. And then we do the presentation of the black belts. I knew it was going to happen because Mr. Dring was like, hey, black, black belt conference is coming up. You've got four tips on your brown belt. You should probably make sure your family's there. Um, stuff like that. It wasn't anything where like, hey, dude, you're going to be getting your black belt. It was like, probably make sure your family's going to yeah. be there. You know, um, like it was understood, but not necessarily spoken about. Sure. And I wish I kind of wish I did have a little bit more of a surprise. It's fun. Um, but at the same time, like, I'm glad I didn't get caught like a deer in the headlights because I know I would be like, uh, what do I what do I do? <laughs> you know, like, but it also came at like this really pivotal point in my life where I had just broken up. I just got out of this terrible relationship, fell into a horrible depression. Who was the guy? Uh, <laughs> Daniel Trimble. <laughs> um, no, I fell in, I had fallen in this like horrible depression and was just doing, I mean, I wasn't training the way that I should. I wasn't doing anything the way that I should. Was that, it wasn't because I beat you in that super fight. <laughs> no. Okay. I just uh, sure. Yeah. She broke up with me right after that. It was terrible. Um, no. So I had, towards the end of my brown belt was really in the beginning of my black belt was really rough for me and because being a brown belt or the end of my brown belt career i was going through such a hard personal time it carried over and in my black belt whenever i got my black belt i was like dude i don't deserve this right now i suck you know and so I, i struggled with it for about six months after i got my black belt really had a hard time with it 
And so I kind of came to terms with like, oh, dude, I'm good at this. I know what I'm doing, yeah. you know? And that's, that's always been one of my bigger downfalls is I, I downplay my skills mm-hmm. quite a bit. Like, yeah, I just, you just won't hear me talk about the things that I know that I'm good at because I know that I'm good at them and I don't want to talk to, I don't want to be like, oh, let's do sure. this. So like when I got my black belt, I had to have that reckoning where I was like, dude, I know what I'm doing. Like, yeah. I know this shit. And there's more to being a black belt than just being able to tap everybody. Right. You know, and because I've been a black belt now for all. So January, it's it's been a year and a half. I've been a black belt for a year and a half. So almost two years, I guess. You know, actually, it's been over a year and a half because I got promoted in January. So it's it's almost been two years. And the first year was super tough. And I tell people all the time, you know, because I have students that are like, man, I just, I can't win anything at these competitions, blah, blah, blah. And I remind them, I've been a black belt for almost two years and I have not won a single black belt match. Right. At all. Yeah. Like at all in any competition. I haven't competed as much as a black belt because I was injured with my bicep tear, um, came back from that. And then some things fell through. Like, it seems like every time there's a big tournament, you know, I like to go to the Dallas Open tournament, but I was busy doing stuff. I couldn't do that. And, you know, like I'm in a point now where like my family's keeping me very busy, which is a good thing. I'm, I'm probably not going to be able to do the AGF in October, which mm-hmm. sucks. I was on vacation for the one in July where they have one of, in my opinion, one of the most stacked black belt divisions at an AGF. Oh, that was nuts. Oh, and I God. missed it. I'm I missed so it too. mad. I, I was, was, I was competing. Yeah. And I missed the damn division. Dude, we had, so I haven't, I haven't won anything at black belt. And, and honestly, it hasn't bothered me. Um, just because when I was a brown belt, I competed a lot and a lot of my focus was on competing. And I think a lot of my identity was in how I did well in competitions. Mm -hmm. But now I focus a lot more on teaching. I train for me. You know, yes, we have this fight coming up. You and I both have uh, fights coming up. Um, I'm looking forward to it. But what's even funnier, uh, and Rolly's probably gonna be pissed that I even said this, but like, I... We've been getting ready for this for like six weeks and the fight's next weekend. And I've just lost all interest. I'm just like, oh, man, I'm not even excited anymore. Yeah. You know, it's because it's been so long. It's like I've been, I feel like I've been waiting for like two months to get ready for this fight. Mm. I'm still in great shape. I've, you know, Rolly's been putting me through the ringer with everybody doing suicide rounds. Like my cardio is on point. So everything's coming into, into fruition right now. But at the same time, I'm just like, oh man, like, I, I think, I, you know what, I, I'm going to go to Memphis this weekend, but I'm probably just going to go to the Bass Pro Shop. You <laughs> yeah. know, like, <laughs> I, I understand that feeling. I'm just kind of, I'm over it a little bit. Yeah, yeah but I, it doesn't change the fact that like once I'm there, I'm going to do everything I can to to yeah. win the fight. You know, I'm going to give Eric a, a, a good fight and I know he's going to do the same for me. It's so funny. I've watched some of John Donaher's stuff, um, both the back take series and um, the leg lock stuff. And the whole time I'm like, Rolly's been teaching that for it, it's years. It's all the the thing that cracks me up is he he starts talking about like uh, levers and clamps. He's like, it's the application of levers and clamps, and says it in a in a funny right. accent. And people are like, oh my god! I've been, I'm thinking like, you mean pinch your fucking knees and use right. your hooks? Yeah, like that's what we've been saying for years. Yep. And yep. Uh, all these American white guys. Have been yeah. Saying it. yeah. Somebody yeah. says it a little bit differently, and all of a sudden everybody goes nuts. But also that's a little bit of what what makes everybody's teaching different and what mm-hmm. makes people coach better or differently. I've gone to like a Cabrinha seminar where he just teaches an arm drag, but the details that I picked up from yeah. the arm drag, you know, like where to place my hands in this situation, do this and that have been really, really helpful. Roly makes fun of me because he says I talk too much when I teach mm-hmm. um, to the point where he's actually taught techniques 
in like a noon class where he's given like a ton of details. And then he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I went all Mitch on you guys, <laughs> you know, but it used to get to me because I was like, man, am I fucking talking too much? And so I would ask my students and stuff like that. And I've had a lot of students break it down where they're like, you know, Rolly and I have two separate types of um, teaching styles. And so the students appreciate both, yeah, you know, and, and so that's why I never changed it. Um, I did throttle back a bit, but man, I start teaching and I'm like, no, no, no. It's so important. You guys understand like the key to this technique is not the movements. It's what I'm doing with my knee. Like yeah. this knee has got to be doing this. You guys need to understand that. You know, and so I focus a lot on the micro details, whereas uh, Roly calls them inconsequential details, where like the gross motor skills are what matter, mm. not necessarily the micro details. And I totally agree with him. And it has revolutionized the way that I teach. You know, we'll do at noon class, you'll just do 100 knee slices. Bam, yeah. Bam, bam. And like most of our white and blue belts only know how to do a leg drag and a knee slice. Mm. That's it. Well, that's great because those two guard passes at that brown, at that white, white and blue belt level will pass almost everybody's guard. Yeah. You know, and we've done it a thousand times that nobody can stop it. I think the gross motor movements are where the science comes in mm -hmm. and the fine motor motor skills, like the grips, uh, how you move one particular limb or joint. I think that's where the art comes in. That's a good point. Like, yeah. cause it makes sense with the application of levers. <laughs> The African um, clamps. Yeah, but just scientifically, the way that our bodies function, those gross motor movements make perfect sense. If you look at it from like a leverage point of view, mm -hmm. all of those gross motor movements make sense. So do the fine motor movements. Yeah. But that's a little bit more where you can be artistic with it. For instance, the knee slice, you can grab, uh, you know, you can get an underhook. Yep, which you, I go for. You can grab the top lapel. Yep. You can also grab the bottom lapel and arm and do it like a margarita pass. Yeah. And you're right. I, I When I teach the knee slice pass to the white and blue belts, I teach the underhook piece. Mm -hmm. But then whenever I'm talking to like higher level blue belts, purple and brown belts, I pass the way the dental and pimenta passes where I hold the top lapel, my elbow. It, I almost, it's almost like I'm doing a, um, a uh, Ipon Sianagi yeah. with my arms, the way that I twist and stuff like that and drive my elbow through the chest but I'm doing it while they're laying down. Mm -hmm. And so that's the detail that I teach to the upper ranks. Because like you said, in my opinion, that gross motor skill of just, it's underhook management. So when I'm teaching white and blue belts, to you got to go for the underhook. You've got to go for the underhook. It's to teach them that and from that position, you can't let that motherfucker get the underhook on you mm -hmm. because that's how he's going to take your back. That's how he's going to get out of the position. So it develops that. And then once you understand now, Roly put it really well one time, he said, um, and, uh, and I hope I can articulate this the right way, but he was talking about how he'll teach a technique and say, this is the way you're going to do this. And you're going to do it like this all the time. And then, you know, years down the road, he'll teach it again to that same person. And it'll be like, okay, now this is how you're going to do it. And the reason I'm teaching it to you this way now is because you weren't ready for these details right. back then. Yeah. And if you tell a student, this is, well, this is one way to do it. Well, then they're going to get exploratory, but it's because you need them to understand how important underhook management is. Mm -hmm. And then now when they've got it stuck in their head, like I can never let this guy get the underhook, it becomes a part of their game. And then now you don't have to fucking worry about them getting in a bad underhook position because they already know not to do it. And now you can give them these details where it opens up to the possibility that an underhook might happen, but they already have the awareness 
that they can shut it down. Yeah. You know? Um, well, and two, you still have the same function as the underhook, but with a different grip. Right. If you can, if you can figure out your left and right after your first week, then I'm happy. You yeah. know, like, honestly, it's a, it's a struggle. You'll tell, I'll see full grown adults. I'm like, use your right hand. And they kick their left foot. Every like, time. What are you doing? Yeah, I've watched guys. I'm like, all right, guys, what you're going to take, what you're going to do is you're going to, you're going to slice your right knee through the guy's legs. And then like five people get up and take water breaks. Yeah. Like, That's not what I said. That's not what I said. Have you ever seen the movie Foot Fist Way? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. I watched that the other day and I'm like, going to probably watch probably it a couple months ago and was thinking like, dude, this is my life. It is my life. It's so yes. funny. I have, I, when I did that Cabrini seminar, we were in Wynn, Arkansas. Wine, oh, Arkansas. Yeah. I remember when he came hole. through for that. Yeah. Dude, there were like, there were maybe 20 people there. Uh, it I makes s- no sense why he would agree to come to Wynn, Arkansas. That he's not coming back again. I can tell you that much. <laughs> yeah. Dude, he got kicked in the face by a, uh, a brown belt that was rolling too hard right next to him. What a loser. Like, you kicked Cabrinha in the face, man. I hope that guy gets a, a sexually transmitted disease. It was the owner of the gym. <laughs> I want to tell you this story. Okay, first. go ahead. Uh, so we were coming back from when Arkansas, and I had, like, a Gravitas shirt on or a Jiu-Jitsu shirt on. And we stopped at a gas station to go to the bathroom. My friend goes into the bathroom ahead of me, and I got st- I got stopped by this guy, and he goes, there's some kind of tournament going on? And I'm like we're talking over the display case of like a big stack of bush light. And, uh, I was like, Oh yeah, there was actually just a seminar. You know, he was like, Oh, right on. I train at master. So-and-so's blah, blah, blah. We do Kenpo Taekwondo, whatever. And I was like, that's cool, man. And he's like, who's teaching? I was like, Oh God, I'm stuck in this conversation. I'm not (laughs) even kidding you. Finally, he goes, well, it was nice to meet you, Master Sensei, and does the whole bow and oh, then God like damn. shakes my like he did he even like patted his shoulders and did this like full thing and like bows and tries to shake my hand over this bush light uh, <laughs> <laughs> display and I'm like you I'm in the fucking Win Arkansas and this guy's like Master Sensei Johnny Wester was shaking my hand over a bush light display like what the fuck is my life, dude? You should have you should have. Uh, backhanded him in the nutsack and spit on his hand <laughs> yeah. and then you can't get pissed because this is how we do things where i come from right it's my this is my style my this sensei my style. taught me how to do it this if, way if you're gonna do that ridiculous pageantry <laughs> yeah <laughs> and put me in an awkward fucking situation dude people have so many like you should be they should be ashamed of themselves illusions about what we do know, and what it is, what it is. super informal which is one of the things i do like about it i understand that some gyms do have some formalities and i think there should be some formalities within mm-hmm. it is still a martial art i like some of it it's it's good but I think it was you that maybe it was you. I don't know. It was a pretty good point. So that's why I'm 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 hesitant to say that it was you. <laughs> that um but I think it was you that was describing how about Brazilian Jiu Jitsu being very much a Brazilian culture, right? So Brazilians are very laid back. They're mm-hmm. not on time for shit. No. Um they just want to go to the beach, hang out, they want to do barbecues and wear speedos. Like it's a very laid back culture. And so they bring that, that, that comes out in the martial art. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what really attracts people to the lifestyle of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is that it's a very chill, laid back. Nobody takes it too seriously, but everybody has a good time and it, you're learning it. You know, you find that the Gracie side of the family are the ones who keep it super strict. Yeah. Right. Because they were selling this lifestyle of a different type. Uh, GF team is very chill. When Master Julio was here, like teaching, he was teaching a noon class and he's just chilling on the side of the wall and he's like giving directions from the wall. You know, it's like, no, my friend, we go do go up to your leg on the other side. 
you know? Apparently, Master Gilo is Arabic now. Yeah. Um, I only do one impression. Jamaican. I do one impression, and it sounds, that's for everybody, whether it's yeah. Mexican or whatever. Um, but it was way more laid back. And in my opinion, it's more conducive for learning, mm-hmm. right? When you're chill, relaxed. It's whenever you're in those weird situations where it's like you're not allowed to sit a certain way and you have to bow on and off the mats 50 times. And it's like, I'm not taking anything away from those guys, but it's like, man, at what point is it about pageantry and, a, and less about technique? Yeah. You know, I have a, I have some interesting ideas about this because like, first of all, I, I believe that the culture that I build in my gym will resemble, will eventually play out into the things that I want mm-hmm. to happen. Right. So the handshaking thing mm-hmm. i always shake everybody's hands on the mat i've found since i've done that because i only started doing that around brown belt that i become better friends quicker and closer to people that i normally wouldn't sure i remember people's names better well yeah because they're not going to approach you as often because you're a black belt now yeah so you're going to find that people are not going to be as approachable to you mm-hmm. um i no. make them kiss my rings yep beforehand i I do the same thing with one of my students wears a lot of rings um and so i kiss his rings a lot he's a mason so (laughs) but the uh yeah like i I enjoy some of those traditions because they do help but one of the things that i think we're going to get more into i want to like do a full episode on it is the parallels of the hardcore scene the music scene yeah and um just punk rock in general Mm -hmm. and jujitsu dude it's I was just thinking that earlier because I, I keep looking at your gravitas tattoo. I'm, I'm imagining you without a shirt on, and so um, I started right there. It's almost exactly like me with a shirt on. The only tattoos I have are ones that you can see. <laughs> and so, um, but I've asked you multiple times for like a gravitas T-shirt or sweater, and you're always like, "Oh, I don't have your size," or "Oh, I'm, I'm, I've got your size coming in now." Well, medium. It. Extras medium. Yep. Okay. So I prefer a call. It it's because medium. I truly usually don't. I do. I do the show roll method. Want, uh, you, I didn't. I thought it was because you didn't want to get in trouble having no. an outsider wearing your, uh, and then people see that and they go, "Oh, you train a gravitas." I'm no, like, I, no, I don't give a shit. I wear a Gracie Baja shirt all the time that yeah. Danilo left behind. But but the thing is, is that's you and I talk about this a lot. Where like coming up in bands and skateboarding and all that kind of stuff, like. I treat it the same way. Like mm-hmm. when I go to, like, I want to wear a Gravitas t-shirt because my buddy owns Gravitas. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm so, it's weird. Like you, I would wear all my favorite band t-shirts, like from different shows that we had gone to and like bands that we had opened for or vice versa. Like we'd trade merch and stuff, you know, and you're walking around wearing um, your buddy's band's t-shirt. But in jiu-jitsu, you can only wear your own band's t-shirt. Apparently. Which is super, super, super taboo in the music industry. I know. Like yeah. you would never go to a show wearing your t-shirt, you know? Yeah. And so I think a big piece of that is is from that because when I go to every, any school I go to, I'm like, hey, can I get a T-shirt? Mm-hmm. Um, can I get a sticker? You know, and I put it all over my shit, you know. I didn't realize how many people from the hardcore or even just like the music scene um, in the local area started training jiu-jitsu. Yeah, there's a lot. It doesn't make sense why, though. I so don't understand So here's the my philosophy on it. Here's my philosophy, my theory, I guess. Um, DIY, punk rock is... is uh, is founded in DIY. Everybody is do it yourself, right? Right. Um, I think jujitsu has a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at like my gym, very much. Oops, excuse me. Very much DIY. I we did it all, everything ourselves. We didn't. Uh, we didn't like take credit out on for anything. All the right. artwork I do myself. All of it, right? Um, the other thing is the challenge to authority, because yeah. like 
you tell me you tell me this works but every time i roll with you it doesn't work mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying where it may not necessarily be this outward expression of challenging authority where i'm like you suck let's do this right but it's a little bit of like oh you think that move works i think i have something that's going to shut it down sure. so let's see how that works um and everybody it's also with the skateboarding scene it's very much a singular sport you are you, doing you are the, yeah exactly um and that's where i always had a, a hard time playing football and basketball because i sucked and because it was a team um, sport. it was a team sport i couldn't rely on everybody else to do the job and then whenever people told told me i lost i was like no i didn't i, I didn't lose my team lost yeah. you know i didn't even go in the game yeah that's exactly what happened yeah and then so then whenever i got into skateboarding and wrestling i did one year of freshman high school wrestling i loved it i was like oh my god this is it and then I moved to a state that didn't have wrestling, but it was it, it just that's where I zoned in. That's where I like found my focus was through those things. So I think skateboarding and punk rock culture go together real well. But I think that plays into the jujitsu. Um, I also think too. a piece of it is is a bit of a counterculture. Yeah, yeah, right? the counterculture. It's cool that to be like a part of something that not everybody else right. knows about or is a part of. Or is a part of. And of course, you know, like, hipsters are the worst about that. Where it's like, oh well, <laughs> yeah. I was, you know, I was into it before it was popular or whatever. But the reality is you and I both, we, because I've been training for 12 years. Mm -hmm. And so you've probably been training for like five, six years. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> People are going to think that I just fucking suck at this. <laughs> no, I, I'm the one that continues to tell people like you got your blue belt before me like you, you know what I mean like you've been you've put in way less time than me I, it, I'm the one that sucks it took me forever no, I've been doing it for 12 years 12 okay cool yeah, yeah. I um, stalled out at blue and purple that's fair and um, but I mean that's a, when when you and I got into the sport it still was relatively unknown mm -hmm. not saying that it was completely unknown it had got a lot of traction but it was you didn't have as many black belts. Yeah. Everybody who owned a school was most likely a purple or a brown belt. You know, um, I was a purple when I owned my gym. You were a purple when you owned your gym, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, you know, Rolly and them were in, were respectively purple and brown belts when they were doing their stuff. So it was rare to, mm -hmm. to have that. So the point is, is that, yes, it's kind of a counterculture thing. And it's not easy. It And so I think a piece of it also is that the challenge – it's like CrossFit. CrossFit got super popular because there was this belief, not reality, this belief that you were doing something so much more challenging than what everyone else was doing that it put you in a special club. Yeah, yeah. And jujitsu is not easy. And the thing is, is I don't spread jujitsu to a lot of people, which is strange if you think about it. Like you would think that I would want everybody to train jujitsu, mm -hmm. but I'm a realist. And that realism for me is, is that it's, it's fun for me but it's fun for a very select group of people. Yeah. Like with women, I think all women should train jujitsu, but I also believe and understand that you're going to get placed in super uncomfortable positions and you're probably not going to like it, you know? And I, I am under the direct realization that it, I like it, but it's not for everybody. Yeah. And getting a black belt damn sure isn't for everybody. My friend from Brazil, Danilo, He's a Gracie. He's a Gracie Baja black belt, and uh, he told me one day he was like, "In Gracie Baja, we have a saying. We we say that jujitsu for everyone. Jujitsu is for everyone." Yeah. And he said, "But I have, but I always say jujitsu is for everyone, but not everyone is for jujitsu." There you go. And yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah, Wow, for, sure. for somebody that doesn't speak English, that's incredibly yeah. prophetic. <laughs> but like, yeah, I was like, "That's in, that's insane." But um, that's it. Mm -hmm. Every, you know, jujitsu is for everybody, but not everybody is for jujitsu. Yeah, I agree. it will work for everyone. 
it like the techniques there are techniques that will work for every single body type but not everyone is maybe prepared at that time or just can do it like um they're just not okay with confined spaces or confronting that reality that you might be attacked mm -hmm. and that's okay you might die before me right yeah. <laughs> i don't think and i i honestly don't think like um so i choose to not carry a gun mm -hmm. i don't own one i don't it's just not something that like that i i wasn't raised around it my dad's a pacifist he was okay. in the army and like he just got really burnt out on all of it. He sure. saw everything that those weapons could do, so I wasn't raised around it. I'm uncomfortable around them. I don't like them. But I've had to start learning. I don't remember why we got into this. But I had to start learning more because of the police work. Mm -hmm. um, because I'm not going to tell people how to take somebody's gun away from them or prevent your gun being away if I don't know how to handle a gun. Yeah. And so I've had to I've had to like kind of bite the bullet, uh, so to speak, so to speak, and and figure that stuff out. Going back to the the hardcore thing, um, went way off topic. Right? No, it was a good topic though. I think it needed to be discussed. Oh, because we were saying jujitsu is not for everybody. That was yeah, my example of like yeah. guns just aren't for me. That's just not your thing. Yeah, I love them. I I, they, I wish I could have way more than I have right now. Absolutely, could save my life. Yeah. But mm, I wish oh well. that they would drop all the bans on all the uh, automatic stuff. I wish I could have the most dangerous weapons on the planet. <laughs> Fucking, I deserve it. I'm yeah, fucking America. I can, I can agree with that. So. I think I, I, I'm willing to bet that we have differing mm -hmm. opinions on this, um, which makes me hate you, and you're wrong. Yep. But I think that you are deserving of whatever weapons you choose to have. There you go. I don't think that everybody is deserving of whatever weapons I they choose to have. One hundred percent agree. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that just because you live in a country that has the Second Amendment that the second amendment should apply to you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, we, I gave you an album to listen to. You did. And I tried, I tried to listen to it. It was a, it, I kind of intentionally chose something that I knew was going to be heavy, something a little bit outside of your right comfort zone. So um, I gave it, um, a, a really, uh, good listen. So the album we're referring to is Knocked Loose. Knocked Loose is the band. Uh, the album is A Different Shade of Blue. A different Shade of Blue. It just came out maybe a couple weeks ago on Pure Noise Records. Mm -hmm. Which um, is exactly what it was that I was listening to. It was absolute pure noise. <laughs> <laughs> it's So I'll say this about the, the album. It's My opinion of it was a little bit bland. It was um, super bland. It was just chug, 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 chug. Wee, wee, yes. wee. Chug, 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 chug. Very much the same like rhythmic beat all the way through there were a couple breakdowns that i really liked i expected more not only from the band but from you <laughs> <laughs> the only the real reason i chose that though is because it was like the most recent release yeah yeah i respect what they're doing when i when i listen to hardcore records like that i have a i have a, a preconceived idea of how i want it to sound mm -hmm. and when i was listening to the rifts and the the breakdowns like that I, just, I felt like I was just listening to like Devil Driver or I felt like I was listening to um, Coal Chamber. Like the the driving riffs and stuff were really reminiscent to me of like the early or the early 2000s metal yeah. riffs. And I was like, God, man. There's a lot of influences from Botch in there, yeah. which like I'm tired of bands trying to be Botch. Mm -hmm. It's been happening for years I think Norma Jean probably did it the best, and now everyone needs to leave it alone. Mm -hmm. But every band is every metal and hardcore band is trying to sound like Botch. A little bit of like integrity influences, but the um, 
it's just very it's just very the same beat throughout the whole album one of the um one of the songs that i really liked on there though was guided by the moon Mm -hmm. um they have a breakdown in there that was just insane really really heavy and it built up to it really well but that's really about it the intro track bellevue is pretty okay and then the rest of it was bland and boring so whenever you put me when you sent the uh, the album to me and of course you know i'm gonna do my due diligence to give our 17 listeners the best album breakdown that i can we have over 100 well we have over 100 downloads well it's just the same 17 people I hope not. I, hope Jeez. Not I account for at least like 20 per episode, but yeah. I don't think that it counts everyone that I listen to. Yeah, we're averaging about 100, I think 100 people. Awesome. Well, yeah. I hope it continues to grow. And Thanks, th- 100 people. Thank you, all 100 people who have actually been able to sit through and stomach the two of us talk about The rough and tumblers. The rough and tumblers out there. Look, we got nicknames for our fans. Yeah. The gougers. The gougers. Um, oh, I can't wait to come out with our t-shirt. I'm going to wear it everywhere. <laughs> And so what I did, though, is to give it to put my best foot forward, I did go and say, you know what? The music sucks, but maybe the lyrics, maybe the (laughs) lyrics are going to be what drives it home for me. Because I was like, well, you know, I'm a lyricist myself and uh, I've been a lyricist since I was in high school. And so I can respect really well thought out, well planned and executed lyrics. That was not the case with this album. It's not what happened here. Uh, yeah, not what happened here. Um, what I started to realize was is that uh, I had a hard time discerning between the lyrics that I was reading from this band, who I assume they're all adults, and the stuff that I wrote in my journals when I was in high school. <laughs> they're about that age, probably like just out of high school. Are they really? Yeah, they're pretty young. It's obvious. <laughs> and so I went into my journals, pulled a couple of pieces out. I can't wait for this. And so... I want to play a game where it's it's going to be called uh, it's called knocked loose or Mitch's bitch ass journal because <laughs> I went through a really heavy emo phase. I went through all my lyrics. Bit, bitch Mitch's journal. Bitch Mitch's journal. That's what my kid's name is. <laughs> Mitchell Bitchell is what I named him. <laughs> it's funny. I could always tell what music I was listening to by the lyrics that I was writing. Yeah. I pretty much ripped off whoever it was I was listening right. to at the time. That's art. All um, right. Go ahead. You ready? Okay. So the first entry into uh, Knock Loose or Mitch's Journal. Okay. Life still happens when I close my eyes. How dare it leave me behind? <laughs> the pressure has ran its course. I don't think I can take this. Is that me or is that Knock Loose? I'm going to say that one's Knock Loose. You would be right. Nice. Good yes. Job. Good job. All right. Let's see here. Let me find another one. Here I sit shaking in my shatterproof shell, begging for change. Mitch's journal. Damn. Two for two. Damn. I'm on a roll. Mix it up, man. I'm trying. Also, if you guys uh, think these lyrics are pretty good, uh, leave a comment on our Instagram page. (laughs) Yeah. Post post your favorite one on our YouTube. All right. Um, I hear the trumpets in the distance calling out my name should i answer them or let them sound in vain knocked loose that's mine bitch oh that's a good one man <laughs> you're welcome good job nice that one even rhymed that's i know that's a great that's a great one <laughs> all right good um okay i will atone for the things i've done and god only knows that it's all stuck in my head 
God fell silent when I cried out. I'm going to say Mitch is... Knock loose. Mitchin, bitchin, Mitchin. Bitchin, no, that was a knock loose lyric. Yeah, really? Yeah. You see how I did that? Because I went to like a, a, a religious <laughs> reference twice in there. Okay. Uh, let's, see. let's do one more. Okay. Gravity retreats. The ground beneath my feet begins to move from my reach. Inside my chest, my heart begins to beat. Hmm. I'm going to say knocked loose. That's mine again, buddy. Damn, dude. You got some bangers in there. You're welcome. That's some good stuff. That was good, man. Yeah. Those are all from high school. <laughs> Every one of those lyrics are from high school. And it's only gone downhill since it's then. It's not gotten better. <laughs> the uh, I think I have one of my lyric books somewhere around. I need to pick that out. I it's went through a rap phase where I was just only writing about like New York City. And like <laughs> <laughs> when I was a dr slinging rock in New York. <laughs> <laughs> I think this band is really interesting, though, because they... Um, Every like generation, there's this, there's one band that like seems to really key in on like LA pop culture, and you start seeing people that start like wearing their t-shirts, mm -hmm. wearing their stuff that you normally wouldn't expect. It's where the same thing happened with a band called Trash Talk, probably about ten years ago, whenever they first started popping up. Uh, you'd see like Tyler the Creator. That's a cool name. Him. He's a rapper. Um, he was hanging around with Trash Talk for a long time. And, like, you just start seeing, like, uh, celebrities wearing their T-shirts and stuff. And it became this trendy band that mm -hmm. everybody was into. And Knocked Loose, it seems to be tapping in on that a little bit somehow. I do like well. the name. I think Knocked Loose is a pretty cool name. Do you ever listen to Glassjaw? Yeah. Right. So I'm a yeah. I was a huge Glassjaw fan. I love Glassjaw. Huge Glassjaw Ape Doss Mill was like. Yes. Yep. Well, the lead singer uh, for Glassjaw. Yeah, he went on to Head Automatica. Head Automatica. Talk about a fucking f switch flip, yeah. man. And it was good. It was Head good. It was good. Beating Hearts Baby. Oh, come on now. I could listen to that whole record. I like his voice. So I actually saw Glassjaw in concert once. Nice. Although I hated them as people after the show, I still listen to the music. Because I think you said you went through a straight edge phase. Yeah. I was, I was straight edge for 14 years. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so... From, to me, straight edge people are just really pretentious assholes. Yeah, right? that's actually one of the reasons that I decided to stop. It's like, good. I don't. Know everybody that, that I know that's straight edge is a huge asshole. Yep. So maybe, maybe drinking might be good for me. Yep. It's well in moderation because uh, I had a problem with drinking and it was never good for anybody. So I saw the I saw them in concert in Monroe, Louisiana, at a place called the Blue Monkey. We had it on film. I, I wish the guys in the band still had the film because it's probably worth money right now. Yeah, there's a guy actually that does what's called Hate Five Six. His name's Sonny. He just goes to hardcore shows and just holds a video camera up. Yeah. And like he's got thousands of – that show might actually be on his website. It's very possible. Yeah. Well, to finish the story up, it's a bar. And I guess people were like spilling beer on the stage and stuff. Mm-hmm. He gets on the microphone and he goes, um, if one more person spills beer on this stage, we're fucking done. <laughs> and he's like, beer is fucking disgusting. In typical Louisiana fashion, everyone started throwing beer on the stage. That's amazing. And they stopped playing and they walked off stage. Yeah. Because they were all straight edge. And they were like, beer's fucking disgusting. They're like, fuck all you pieces of shit, blah, blah, blah. If anybody's, you know, and we're just like, what? Shut the fuck up. Like. Take our money and shut up. Yeah. You know, like you decided a long time ago that you were going to play music in front of people and that you wanted to take their money. And that's exactly what's happening right now. Yeah. You know, so just 
shut up and drink. And let us enjoy. Let us enjoy the, you know. And so after that, I was like, man, fuck those guys. But I still listen to the band. Oh, I'm so a cool. huge fan of Glassjaw. And I actually became a head, head automatica fan as well. So Glassjaw is considerably. I had people that were like uh, coming in and be like, dude, I listened to this album and this album. And we should probably start explaining a little bit better what style of music you're getting into mm-hmm. before you go jumping into that album. Knocked Loose is very yes heavy. Very for heavy. Sake, for the sake of being heavy. And honestly, in realms of like heaviness, it's probably one of the... It was fairly heavy. It's if, heavy. It's just, meh. It's you, not that heavy. With Glassjaw, you're getting into a screamo hardcore. It's going to be screamo hardcore, in my opinion. A little bit more singing than typical. Yes, which is why I like them more. It's like that. It, it's very much that that era of screamo. Yeah, um, he's got kind of a odd, odd voice. Uh, but I like it. It's really, really good. Ape Das Mill is my favorite song. He's got another. Yes. There's another song called... Uh, Tip your bartender. That's really good. That is a really good one. What's the, what's the, uh, there's one about makeup. Mascara or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I like that one a lot too. Yeah. Well, man, I think that pretty much sums up everything that we wanted to talk about today. Yep. We got a complaint that, um, we just end our episodes. So we have to have some sort of finale to it, but like we talked about in, uh, earlier, we have our, our goal on, on Patreon. We'd really, really appreciate everyone's help with that. Like I said, you're not getting nothing out of it. You're not just donating money. We'll be um, really active with posting content on the Patreon for those people that are donating to it, as well as you'll be getting content uh, in the mail or directly through us, whether it be stickers, patches, eventually T-shirts, things like that. If we can get to 100, then we'll start releasing videos of not just the podcast, but also uh, jiu-jitsu techniques that we talk about in the uh, in the podcast and we're open to any suggestions as well um, basically that's kind of our creative outlet yeah and and for anyone who's listening please 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 uh, interact with us on instagram we really really enjoy hearing you guys make fun of us tell us what you like about the show tell us we've had people to send us their favorite quotes from the episodes and stuff because johnny and i are extremely funny so we don't really know when we're being funny we just are <laughs> So if you guys hear something, it just happens. So if you hear us say something that you thought was funny or whatever, send it to us. Let us know because we want to put it on the Instagram and and also. And then, um, like we said in the beginning of the episode, we we really enjoy giving shout outs on the podcast. You know, go out there, donate a little bit to the Patreon. Let us get some more microphones, more technology, more software, whatever, so that we can start bringing guests in. We have a really a lot of good ideas that we want to have for guests, but we have to have more equipment to do that. And so if you guys want to start hearing guests come on the on the show, then you're going to have to go out there and give us some of your money. Another thing that we've been doing is uh, we have Spotify. We have a playlist on Spotify, mm. the Rough and Tumble playlist, where any songs that we talk about on the show we'll put on the playlist so that you can go on there and check it out. And we'll kind of keep that updated uh, throughout each episode so you can yep. hear the, check out the songs that we're into, that we're talking about, um, so you're not totally left out of the blue. Um, and we'd like to be able to do the same thing with jujitsu. Yes. We just need your money in order to do it. Yes. <laughs> and to bri- buy a private jet. Yeah. How else are we going to get there? I'm yeah. not driving. Jesus wants me to have one. You can follow us on Instagram, YouTube. You can follow us on Spotify. You can also follow us on Twitter. I haven't. We haven't posted anything on there. I don't have Twitter. So well, I, don't know, I don't know anything about it. We have a Twitter. We. But we haven't used it because nobody follows us. That's fair. And I have a really hard time accepting that Twitter is a thing. Mm-hmm. So if you follow us on there, I will start posting. 
So Boom. if you hear this on the episode, go follow us on Twitter and we'll start posting on Twitter. Otherwise, um, it's a dead platform to me. That's so correct. I don't care. But anyways, thanks for listening to the Rough and Tumble podcast and we'll catch you next time. See ya.